0: Good morning, everyone. Good. Welcome to Monday, July 8th at the ACB National Convention. Good morning, ACB Radio. Thank you to Carrie Hooper, right here from Elmira, New York, for your beautiful entertainment this morning. Thank you so much. Right, it's my honor to introduce to you for our invocation this morning, Father Robert Wirth from the Peace of Christ Parish Church here in Rochester, New York. Father?
1: Thank you. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. It's certainly a pleasure and an honor to be here, to be invited to, to be with you this morning. And as the, we prepare for the activities of the day, we take a moment to ask God's blessing upon us and all that is done here. Loving and gracious God, as we come here this morning for today's program of the National Convention of the American Council of the Blind, we thank you for all the council's many accomplishments over the years. Members of the council have worked hard to fulfill their mission to increase the independence, security, equality of opportunity, and quality of life for all blind and visually impaired people. Lord, grant your divine assistance and guidance to all involved in any way in this convention. Send your spirit of wisdom upon all who are to speak or make presentations. Enlighten those who are in any way involved with decision making, so that what they do will be for the good of all. May all that transpires here today and throughout this convention be helpful, constructive, and beneficial to all blind and visually impaired people. Help all who have positions of authority and responsibility to carry out their duties as wisely and faithfully as possible. It is in the spirit of faith, of trust in your loving care, and openness to your will, that we offer our prayer this morning and ask for your continued guidance and blessings upon the American Council of the Blind and upon all whom they serve. Amen. You're
2: welcome. Thank, so you. Bless you.
3: Thank, you, Thank you so
0: you. much. You're welcome. Thank you. To lead us this morning in our pledge of allegiance, would you all rise and join with me? We have to lead us in the pledge. The entire scholarship class of 2019 behind me on the podium. And they are all going to rise, and they're going to speak loudly and uh, lead us in the Pledge of Allegiance. The uh, flags are located to your left, my right, correct? Correct. Okay. good. I got that right. Yes. (laughs) All right. Pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. And to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you. You may be seated. All right. I'm going to recognize now Marjorie Beeman, our sponsorship coordinator, who will introduce and share with us some information about our sponsors, Marjorie
4: Good morning, everyone. Are you awake yet?
5: <laughs> good.
4: You are, now. you are now. Very good. Okay, I'm going to read our sponsorships. The crown jewel sponsor, fifty thousand, Ara, reduced hotel rates for convention attendees. Give them a hand. Let's see. Our diamond sponsors, twenty five thousand, Google, ACB Conference Banquet. JP Morgan Chase Off-Site ACB Educational and Recreational Events Reduce Ticket Pricing for All Events, Microsoft Conference Participation and Development Training for Future Leaders, Vanda, Exhibit Hall and ACB, Brenda Dillon Memorial Walk, Verizon, Verizon Media. Audio, visual services in general sessions and all event meeting rooms. Vesparo, ACB, radio streaming. Give them a hand. (laughs) Emerald sponsors 15,000. Comcast, conference registration. Sprint, conference communication center and newspaper. Uber. ACB Radio Afternoon Broadcast. Give them a hand. (laughs) Ruby Sponsors, 10,000. Adobe Systems, ACB Scholarship Mentoring Program. Amazon, Audio Description Program. AT&T. ACB Workshops and Seminar Programming, Cisco, Continuing Education Credits, Facebook, All General Sessions, Humanware, ACB Auction, Orcon, ACB Cafe, Spectrum, Interpreter Service for the Deaf, Blind and Attendees, and Walmart. Give them a hand. INIC Sponsors 5000, Buell Fund, Recreation Zone, and ACB Brenda Dillon Memorial Walk, National Association of Broadcasters, General Operating Support, National Industries for the Blind, ACB Marketplace, Macler Degeneration, ACB Brenda Dillon Memorial Walk, give them a hand. Topaz Sponsors 3000, hymns. ACB Link, ACB Lions, Scholarship Travel. Give them a hand. (laughs) Choral Sponsors 2000, RSVA, Outstanding Student Orientation, Dinner and Luncheon, New York State Commission for the Blind, Affiliate President Seminar. Give them a hand. Pearl Sponsors, 1000, Access Ready, sponsored by Votech ACB Cafe Day, Sunday, July 7, Barclay Damon LLP, General Session Support, Library Users of America, Lua, Talking Book Narrator at Convention, The Lighthouse for the Blind, Incorporated, Seattle, ACB Cafe Day, Monday, July the 8th track phone wireless, affiliate, and chapter development seminar. Give them a hand. Today I'll start reading individual sponsors. Titanium, $500, Richard Byrd, Betsy Doan, Lainey Feingold, Barbara Lombardi, Fred Shigert, Douglas Slotten, give them a hand. Platinum sponsors 250, Dennis Amadine, Marjorie Beeman, Linda Dedarian, Nona Graves, John McCann. Give them a hand. It's never too late to be one of those sponsors and I'll be reading them every morning. So thank you very much and give the sponsors a big hand. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Marjorie. All right. Next, we're going to take an item of business before we hear from our speaker presentations. And I want to welcome to the podium the chair of the ACB Nominating Committee, Mitch Pomerantz, for his report.
6: Mitch? Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. This will be the Nominating Committee report for 2019. And it will be short and to the point. We had a total of 60 affiliates eligible to send a representative to the Nominating Committee this year. Of those, a total of 55 affiliates sent representative. So five affiliates were not in attendance We did close the door right on time. Um, In the interest of transparency, I will read the five affiliates that were not there. Arizona, Connecticut, North Carolina, Vermont, and RSVA. There are five officer positions up for election in 2019. The nominees are President Dan Spoon, Orlando, Florida, retired project manager, Siemens Corporation, and he's running for his first term. First Vice President Mark Reichert, Arlington, Virginia, Director of Public Policy, National Disability Institute, running for his first term. Second Vice President, Ray Campbell, Glen Ellen, Illinois, Accessibility Analyst, United Airlines, running for his first term. Secretary Denise Colley, Lacey Washington, Disability Program Coordinator, State of Washington. And I wasn't sure if she was retired or not, But that's at least what she did do, if she is not doing it currently. Um, We'll get that clarified later. She is retired, retired. all right. Uh, the, The authority has so spoken. And Denise is running for her first term. And for treasurer, David Trott, Talladega, Alabama, retired services development coordinator Alabama Institute for the Deaf and Blind. David is running for his second term. Uh, we did not, as has been our practice, we, have, we did not address the possibility of a vacant director position. Because while Ms. Cawley is uh, running unopposed currently, That is always subject to change in this organization. So should Denise be elected secretary on Thursday, there will be an open director seat. It will be an unexpired one-year term, and all nominations will come from the floor. That concludes my report. Madam President.
0: Thank you, Mitch, and thank you to the members of the committee. Is there a request for a question? Okay, I'm going to move on. Thank you. All right. Um, okay, we're going to hear our speaker presentations from our sponsors this morning. And first, I want to welcome a diamond sponsor for our convention, which is Microsoft Corporation. And it's my privilege to introduce to all of you Brett Humphreys, who is senior program manager in the Windows Accessibility Division, and he works out of Redmond, Washington.
7: Brett? Anyway, hello, everybody. Okay. just want to say uh, thank you for having us here today. I'm really excited to just kind of talk about what we're up to, and what I'm really going to talk about today is stuff that all of you have helped shape, and we've been spending the last two to three years on a journey of just making Windows easier to discover, learn, and use. And so, again, all of you have been a great part of that. So, thank you for your continued feedback and support. And what I'm going to walk through today is really kind of a range of things that we've been talking about in Windows, from you know low vision. It's kind of an overview. I'm going to tease out uh, something that's new that's coming up. So, I'll demo that today a bit. And I'm going to talk a few things that are going on in Narrator, but really. You know, this is just an overview and really a result of, again, all of your feedback. And there'll be more of this uh, in depth. Uh, tomorrow after four o'clock I'm doing a talk on Narrator and Wednesday after four o'clock do another talk on low vision. And so again, this is just kind of a, an overview to get you excited. But as you know, Microsoft's been on a global mission really to empower every person and every organization to achieve more. That includes this organization. That includes you as individuals. That includes the places that you uh, are involved with outside of this organization. So please keep the feedback coming, because we want to continue to make this better uh, for you and for everybody. And on this two-plus year arc, of the, we've been working on things like, how do you just make windows easier to see? And there's a range of things that happen <coughs> in that. And, uh, and then all the way to, how do you have the system read for you and, and be better for you? And so some of the areas that we really spent time looking at was just simply text. We got asked a great question one day. We were like, hey, I'd just like to make my text easier to see. And so about two years ago, we uh, sorry, about two releases ago, we introduced just make text bigger. It's a simple slider. It goes from 100% to 225%. And we got really good feedback. Thank you for the claps. And. And it was, <clears throat> and we got really good feedback from everybody. It actually made The Verge as one of the top 10 features in Windows for that release. And the comment was made, hey, Windows is not just <clears throat> living their brand promise. They're, they're making it real. And so they really, really appreciated that. But we got some more great feedback. Well, you made my text easier to see, but there's this thing called the mouse pointer. And uh, I kind of lose it on the screen. That's a little white mouse pointer in the sea of white. Can you, can you help me with that? And so we said, sure, we could do that. And we went and we looked at it. And you can now make your mouse pointer not only larger, but you can colorize it. So you want it, if you want a bright green, you can. If you have a particular uh, you know, sports team that you like, you can make it a particular color blue if you want. So do whatever you want in that case. So it, it turns out that uh, everybody just likes to even just customize the color. So it's larger. You can make it your own color. Awesome. Now, in our next release that's coming up, and you can find this insider build today, as we said, OK, well, we've done text and we've worked on pointers. What if I could just maybe find my text insertion pointer easy? Where am I typing? I'd really like to find that. Would that be easier to find? And so we're now, uh, we'll we'll colorize that pointer for you. We'll have some uh, pointers so you can find your text pointer easier. And so if you want to try that out, always a shameless plug. Try the Insider Builds. But uh, it will be uh, coming out again soon. So again, on this arc, we're like, hey, text easier to see. Mouse pointer easier to see. Where I'm typing, that text insertion pointer, is it easier to see? Well, yes. And then, but it doesn't really stop there. We had some really great feedback across the board on, hey, I need to magnify. And boy, I'd love to be able to just dive in and, and use magnification. But the feedback was pretty clear. Like, hey, it jumps around too much. I'd like to have it centered. Uh, by default, you don't seem to stay centered. You don't seem to tax, you know, track where I'm typing. So we fixed all of that. So when it's released, when you turn on magnifier, it's smoother, will automatically track everything, and you'll have a centered mouse mode by default. And if you wish to turn it back, you can have, have the old way back as well but one of one of the areas that we also heard feedback is that <clears throat> well as i'm working hang on i'll check my audio here really quick so one of the areas we, that people had said hey look i can read but i just i fatigue easily is there a way just to uh, go ahead and have the screen reader or magnifier actually read to me so what we've added in the upcoming release there will be a new bit of UI where you can press on a pointer and go ahead and read. And so what I'm going to demo is I have Windows Mail open, our free inbox email client. I have magnified at 100%. I'm just going to click on some text in this email. This email is about uh, someone sending out to a class about doing a volcano research paper. But it's just going to go ahead and read through that. Maybe. Well, it is reading, but... Well, imagine if you were.
5: <laughs>
7: it was reading. But uh, it is one of the areas that um, we do, we really wanted to work on because we do understand that over the course of the day, your eyes get tired and you're fatigued, and you may not need a full screen reader. So you can just go ahead, click on the icon, and have it read. And there's also keyboard shortcuts as well if you're used to shortcuts. And... Uh, There'll be more demos, so come by on Wednesday, Wednesday at 4 o'clock. We'll go much deeper into, into how that all works. So, But we also know reading doesn't stop there. Those that need a full screen reader, we had amazing feedback. We love all the feedback, so please keep it coming. And one of the areas we found were folks were like, hey, uh, Windows updates quite a bit. Like, what's new? And how do I learn how to use Narrator? And where do I find this all in one convenient spot? So now, today, when you start Narrator, there'll be a new Narrator home. It'll have all those things collected for you. It'll say here's, it'll start reading for you automatically. You'll be able to go in and do Quick Start Guide. And the Quick Start Guide is great, because it's really designed to tell you kind of the top five, ten things you need to get going on the web. And once you learn those five, ten things, it works on the web, it works in email, it works in all of like the Windows UI for settings. And so really, we've tried to get you up and running as fast as possible. And also be able to dive in and look at the user guide and get more data. So that's certainly an area that we wanted to, to continue to improve for you. We had a, uh, a bunch of great feedback on how narrator reads. The simple phrase is, I wish it would read more naturally. We're like, OK. And so we kind of dissected that a bit, and there were several things that came out. Uh, the words live versus live, read versus read. Like, could it read it more consistently? Sometimes we didn't read numbers right. You know, $2.7 billion. Like, could you could you phrase that better? And so we, we fixed a bunch of that phrasing. And so it's much, much more natural now. We pause in more natural places. Uh, to give it away, we actually have move by sentence now. Well, why? If you can select an entire sentence, you can read the entire thought. It sounds like one collection. So it's one of the ways in which we're really helping this phrasing. And then for those of you that or multilingual we had a bunch of feedback that just said I would like to be able to install the Dutch voice and not everything else that goes with all the language packs, keyboards and all that so you can go and install the individual voices <clears throat> and then if you're in documents that support it on the web or in Word uh, we'll just switch languages and we'll just read it in that language for you and then the top area too that we kept hearing is hey I'm using Outlook, I open an email and I down arrow and it's just sluggish doesn't feel responsive and so one of the areas we spent time working on in this release is really making that more responsive and it's one step on some other great work that's coming up to really make narrator more responsive across the board the nice thing about this work that we're doing is not just narrator specific, we're making that same capability available to all the third party assistive technologies that run on Windows as well so we're really excited about that work that's coming up, it's work that's in progress but really, really excited about making things uh, more responsive for you Thank you for the
5: cheers.
7: (laughs) But we're not done yet. When you talk about things being more usable, what do people say? Uh, I would love it to work in Chrome, please. So last last release, we announced the beta of Narrator working with Chrome. In this release, we're announcing the full uh, use of it in Chrome, and we're also announcing Firefox support. So the upcoming release, you have your choice. So so Edge, Chrome, Firefox, your choice will help make it work. <clears throat> and again, I spoke a bit about the navigation, uh, about being able to move by sentence, whether it's in web content or not. And again, we find that really useful because you know, when you down arrow in a web page, a line could be three words wide. It could be 10 words wide, just depending on how that page flows. So you should be able to have full, complete thoughts. And in line with that, we also recognize when you go to pages like Wikipedia, every third word is a link. Yeah. And so who wants to hear the word link all the time, or even some of the stuff? And so there's a verbosity mode now that's just text. So if you just want to read through text and just absorb and listen, you can now switch to that and just listen through a web page. And there's other options coming up as well. But we really wanted to make that a smooth, natural reading experience. And that reading experience, yeah. So yeah, and so it really, again, it's because of this feedback. We're like, hey, I would love it to be smooth.
8: You may have audio now for yours.
7: OK. Perfect. We're going to see if we get audio. Starting narrator, exiting narrator. We'll get back to that in a second. Thank you, Mr. Uh, Patrick. Yes, Patrick. Thank you, sir. <laughs> I, I also myself have done front of house sound, so I understand all that. So thank you so much for the help. Um, we also have some other things coming up in a new release. You know, we got some really awesome feedback around the narrator sounds uh, that they were harsh, that it was hard to listen to them in earphones, that they weren't necessarily distinct enough. And so one of the areas that are be coming up over the next few weeks in the Insider builds are new sounds. These sounds have been redesigned very specifically. So for example, uh, when you have a spelling error or grammar error, they're going to kind of sound similar. Uh, Other things like um, scrolling and zooming in and out and other things that may occur, those are kind of distinctly different sounds. And so we've also made them softer, not softer in volume, but softer as in rounder and not really as harsh. And so as that rolls out, you will hear a change in that Excuse me. We hear a change in those sounds, but the intent is really to fit better together and to just be more uh, more usable day in and day out. And you know, as we kind of kept working on it, we, we heard things like, "Hey, I, I open an email. Can you please just auto-read that's coming up? That would be both in Outlook and Mail." So. And now not only as you read through mail and you go into the web, we got great feedback, which is, I really don't want to hear all the stuff at the top of the page. I don't want to hear 80,000 links. I don't want to have to fish around. And so what we're going to do is we're going to auto-jump to the first part of that content. So we're going to skip over a bunch of stuff, get right to it, and start auto-reading for you to help you be more efficient. Woohoo. And we always like to sneak in a couple of surprises. And one of the things that we've done is it, how many of you come across a web page and it says, this, and it's a link, or click here, and it's a link, where am I going? It's a great question, right? Well, as you may recall, we've done things like image descriptions. So if you do an image description, we'll go, hey, here, we'll go describe the image for you. In the same way, you can use that same command to describe where the link will go. And we will go out, we will find it for you, we will tell you the page header of where you're going, so you can decide, do I want to follow that link? So come on by next on uh, tomorrow at four. I'll demo some of that stuff. And then, uh, how many have you opened, you know, your favorite ad in Outlook, and you start hearing things like table, 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 table? How many tables do you have to listen to? Uh, the answer now in the upcoming release is none. We've re- And so all of this is a lot. And there's a lot more that we've done. But really, again, it comes back to the feedback from your organization, your individuals, your friends that are giving us feedback. It's these things that have really shaped it. So we're going to try for one more demo.
8: Starting narrator heading level one. Welcome to Narrator. This is Narrator Home, where you can get help, access your settings, and learn about new features.
7: So what you heard there is Narrator came up. It's the new home. It's how can you find out what's going on. So I'm just going to tab through a few things here really quick for you.
8: Quick start. Button. Learn the basics of Narrator. Narrator guide. Button. View the complete Narrator guide online. What's new? Button. Get an overview of new and updated features.
7: And so we've taken all of these things with feedback. Folks are like, How do I find out more? How do I learn it? It's all right when you open Narrator now. And if you wish not to see this, and I'll go through it in a second, you'll be able to minimize it and not have it come up all the time. It won't be in the alt tab order. So you can find it if you want to. Uh, If you don't want to see this again, you can turn it off and not have to see it again. But it's really designed to help you get up
8: and running in a quick way. Link, exit, minimize, PowerPoint slideshow, AC.
7: All right. So I occasionally like to go through and talk about movies.
8: Magnifier, AC, Movie Theater, Wikipedia, Movie Theater, Wikipedia, Google Chrome Pane, Movie Theater, Wikipedia Main Landmark, heading level one, Movie Theater. from.
7: So, if you didn't notice, it said Google Chrome, Movie Theater, I'm on a Wikipedia page, but I'm just going to go back and we're going to start auto-reading this page.
8: List of highest grossing films, Wikipedia Main Landmark, Image, this is a featured list. Click here for more information. Image. Page semi-protected heading level one list of highest grossing films from Wikipedia. The free encyclopedia. Link. Jump.
7: So what we did in that particular case is I went back to the page. It loaded. We skipped a bunch of stuff at the top, which were link, 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 link. Little extra stuff there, but not a lot. And we just got to the content for you. And all, again, this is all just in Google Chrome.
8: Exiting narrator.
7: And there's more to come if you stop by tomorrow. Uh, after 4 o'clock on Tuesday, we'll go through more details and all the narrator stuff. Can you tell? I've got some demos I'd love to share with you. <laughs> so, And th- thank you for the applause. Um, and at the end of the day, it is a lot. We recognize it. And so if you're ever like. Brett, where do I go? Literally, you can just open ease of access. We've used pretty straightforward language like display and narrator and all the things are in there so you can quickly find out about it. And again, open narrator. There's the home, the quick start guide. You can learn what's more. So uh, one more time. Tomorrow uh, after four will be the narrator talk and on Wednesday will be the narrator talk, at, or excuse me, the low vision and we'll go into more of the magnifier and we'll talk about the reader and a bunch of things are going on in low vision. So thank you all for your feedback and your time today. And uh, I think that's it.
5: Thank you. Yeah, thank you.
0: So our our next um, sponsor presentation, Emerald Sponsor, is from Sprint. I'd like to recognize Diane Ducharme, who's with the Blind Low Vision Outreach. Um, She's an outreach specialist. And she's based out of Towson. Towson? Towson. Towson. I thought so. Thank you. I'm a Yankee, what can you say? (laughs) Towson, Maryland. So, Diane, welcome. Good morning,
3: ACB. Hi. As uh, you just heard, I am Diane Ducharme, and with me is my coworker, Warren Knight. And I would like to say a special hello to my home state of Maryland. Yay! And my beloved previous home state of Pennsylvania. <laughs> and which is also Warren's current state. So Warren and I are here from Team Sprint. So we are sporting our Sprint t-shirts, our Sprint baseball hats, and we have our Sprint pom-poms. Well I I do. Oh my gosh. I do. Warren is not cooperating with me this morning. <laughs> Warren is up. But Warren is single, ladies, so just. (laughs) Wow. So, in full self disclosure, the only thing I dread more than public speaking are crowded, slow elevators. So, I'm totally out of my comfort zone this week. Wow. So, I am going to let Warren start. And explain what Sprint Vision is, because that's the question I get asked all the time. What is Sprint Vision? <laughs> I'm
9: getting attacked right now. Sprint calling. Can you hear me now? <laughs> Good morning, everybody. Like hey, Diane said, we're with the out- outreach Sprint team. And we're going we're going to let you know what sprint re- represent S for sponsorship <laughs> ACB Yay. ACB Yay. ACB Yay. Beat baseball Aww, cool. bowling tournament yeah. bowling tournament <laughs> there there's
0: the bowlers
9: <laughs> NFB. <laughs> oh, come on, guys, be nice. We're all blind. <laughs> P. Promotions.
0: Yeah, we like those.
9: <laughs> <laughs> on this side, promotions. <laughs> all right. <laughs> KFB Reader. Yeah. Hey. Uber.
5: Yeah. What? Uber?
9: Uber! All right. <laughs> and with the promotion with Uber, or let me start with a KNFB Reader, it, when you come to Sprint, not if, when you come to Sprint, you get a KNFB Reader Enterprise, which is a $100 value, and you could put it on any um, device. So if you have a tablet, we have tablets, too. And we have plenty of cell phones. You could put it on either or. And with the Uber um, promotion that we're running right now, it's $100 voucher, and it's for 10 free rides. Well, up to 10. I'm a little nervous. It's $100. (laughs) I'm checking on you. I'm making sure everybody's awake, too. (laughs) It's $100, $10 per ride. So it adds up to $100. And the next one is retail. I like retail. retail, Sprint brings retail to their event. So whatever phone that you want, we have, or accessories, we have. So if you want a pink case, we have a pink case. If you want a red case, we have a red case. We have accessories, we have batteries, backup. And the last thing for my presentation is, come and visit booth number 17. Mm. And what's that number? 17. All right. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. I can see why they hired you. Yeah, <laughs> good. Use your pom-poms. Uh, uh,
3: yeah. <laughs> all Yeah. right, it's me again. Okay, so continuing on. I, independence. Oh, yeah. Our, our <laughs> pom-poms. Okay. So our slogan is putting the power of independence in your hand, and a very wise person came up with that slogan. Right, Warren? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, me. Okay. So <laughs> having a cell phone allows us all to use apps and services such as Seeing AI, Uber, and Ira. The use of these apps have no doubt increased our independence and our employment. N is for network. Sprint has an international network. And over the past two years, they have spent millions of dollars increasing the speed and reliability of their network. And I know everybody's out there thinking, oh, all these cell phones are exactly the same. And OK, there's, ver- there's a lot of similarities. And we do appreciate the sponsorship of all of the wireless companies. But the big difference is that Sprint is here, and they are not. <laughs> so woo, Sprint. Okay. <laughs> and lastly, Sprint is team. We are made up of a team of blind and sight-impaired individuals who experience the same everyday challenges that you do, but we also celebrate the same everyday victories and accomplishments that you do. So to wrap it up, Sprint Vision is sponsorship, promotions, retail, independence, network, and team. So I'd like to thank you all for your time and thank you to those who have already come by and the rest of you, please stop by. We have dog biscuits that we're handing out for <laughs> all of our furry friends and for anybody else who just needs a little snack. <laughs> so, so I will let Warren say goodbye.
5: Go ahead. Can
9: thank we you. have an S, S, yes. can we have a P? B! Can we have an R? R! Can we have an I? I! Can we have an N? N! Can we have a T? What's that spell? Rick! Yeah!
0: Woo!
9: And remember, ladies, he's single. <laughs> Let
0: me see those pom poms. Oh, look! Wow. They're the real deal. They're the real deal. They are the real deal pom poms. No artificial or imposters. <laughs> Great. Well, now I know why all my guide dog friends have sprint. <laughs> it's the dog biscuits at the Sprint booth. The dogs took them right over there and they all signed up, right? <laughs> so All right. Okay, our next sponsor presentation is from our great supporters for many, many years, JP Morgan Chase. And I'm honored to, uh, to, rep- to introduce to you Andrea Shane, and she is the Managing Director of Corporate Sector. She comes from New York City, and we're delighted to have you, Andrea. Welcome to ACB.
10: morning, everybody. Thank you, Kim, for the really warm <laughs> introduction. Um, and I'm so thrilled to be with all of you today and happy to be in Rochester, New York. I grew up outside of Utica, and we lived for these kinds of days when I was a kid. Um, so as Kim mentioned, J.P. Morgan has a very proud history with ACB. We've had the opportunity to work with ACB for a number of years, and I'm just especially privileged to be with you here today. Um, and one thing that we didn't provide to you in terms of the introductory remarks is that I'm the North American co-chair for our accessibility business resource group. And that's a business resource group, one of ten, at our company um, that represents employees such as myself who have disabilities, our caregivers and allies. Um, and so from that perspective, again, I'm very proud to be with you today and to represent our company. Um, so. We've done a number of things. I'd say we have many things that I can talk about today, but we're always striving to do more and to do better. So JP Morgan's history of disability inclusion really dates back to the 1920s. And I had one of our corporate historians pull some facts for me, and they said that the first person who qualified for disability benefits at one of our predecessor banks was awarded them in 1924, Um, so a long a proud history of trying to make sure that we're supportive of our employees of all abilities. Um, More recently in 2016, a colleague of mine, Jim Sanaki, joined the firm following a 39 year successful career at IBM to start our office of disability inclusion. And Jim has totally ramped up what we've been doing as a company, both internally and externally. And he's actually the father of our uh, disability inclusion strategy, which he calls the four A's. And they are attitude accommodations, accessibility, and assimilation. So I'd like to talk to you a little bit about what those things mean. So first, attitude, because it really starts with us and, and how we really feel. Um, in 2017, our chairman and CEO, Jamie Dimon, together with our then Global Head of Human Resources, issued a policy letter to all of our employees. It was posted globally and it really shared the fact that what we are here to do as a company is to support employees of all abilities as well as our customers of all abilities. And that really has started to propel our strategy for disability inclusion forward. We're focused on the obvious things that are technology enablers like technology, real estate, Communications and security, very, very important to all employees, but particularly important to those of us that have disabilities and require accommodations. Leadership development is something that's also important to us. So within the firm, we have a lot of leadership development training. Um, And here's an area where I'm particularly proud of our longstanding partnership with ACB. I think it's the fourth consecutive year that we're sponsoring five leadership fellows here. Um, And I'm super proud. I really want to thank all of you for the opportunity and for your great work. So I talked quickly about the firm's culture and what we've been doing. Um, I'd like to talk a little bit about the kinds of things that we've done from a recruiting and hiring perspective. Um, So two years ago, our Office of Disability and Inclusion realized that one of the things that we needed to do was to focus on our talent pipeline. And in order to do so, we needed to be reviewing our recruitment practices and to make sure that they were fully inclusive and that we were looking at the recruiting experience. So what we did was we um, developed relationships with people who were in different parts of the recruiting process, including hiring managers. We tried to really um, bring them into the fold, get their feedback about what we could do better to be a more inclusive hiring uh, organization. We've expanded our network. We work a lot with third-party providers, with community organizations, and with not-for-profits. And through them, we identify talent that we bring into the organization. Uh, We participate a lot in virtual and in-person career fairs. One of the ones that we are especially well-known for is the Autism at Work Virtual Career Fair, which is sponsored by Microsoft. We're proud to be their partner. Um, We work as well with the Veteran Jobs Mission. But beyond our organization and what we're trying to do to hire and nurture talent inside the company, um, we want to share what we're doing. And again, we've done a lot in the last few years, but we know we can do more. And the way in which we learn from others is to participate in meetings such as this. We talk, but we listen. Um, My colleagues participate in press meetings. They've been to Congress, they've been to the UN. Um, And most recently, we've started to work with the UN on their own policy for disability inclusion, and that's particularly exciting for us. From a global philanthropic perspective, we're very fortunate to be able to provide sponsorship for important groups such as ACB. ACB is one of the few select not-for-profits in our philanthropy portfolio. Um, and it's through that portfolio that we're able to do things like sponsoring this conference today. Thank you. Accommodations are our next important area of focus for us. And with regard to employees who need accommodations, previously it was a very decentralized process. Managers didn't quite know how to navigate, even though they were well intended and wanted to help their employees, they might not necessarily know. How they might go about supporting their employees in the reasonable accommodations process. And so, what we've done in the last couple of years is to develop a centralized team, My Accessibility Hub. They're out in Columbus, Ohio. They have specialized caseworkers who work with all of our employees who request accommodations, and they put everything through a very streamlined process. We have a centralized funding model. So there's never a question about being able to offer an accommodation to an employee who needs it, and this particular group is a one-stop shop. They've done some amazing, amazing things and provide a very high-touch experience for our employees. The other thing I would say is that, you know, while we've done a lot internally, you know, we're trying to do more from a customer perspective. Um, and here again, I want to thank ACB. A couple of years ago, some of my colleagues were here from our accessible technology team. They worked with conference attendees. We got your feedback about usability with regard to our technology. And I'd say keep that coming. You know, we do a lot of great things from a technology perspective, but technology is an enabler for all of us. And we learn from customer feedback, we, heard, we learn from partner feedback. Um, And we want to continue to get that from all of you. And what we've tried to do in the last year or so is to really flip-flop our strategy with regard to technology and product development. And that's to embed features of usability in from the beginning from a product design perspective. I've talked a lot about um, our employees, I've talked a little bit about the culture, I talked a bit about what we're trying to do to hire, recruit and retain employees of top talent. Um, with regard to the kinds of services that we provide, and many of you may be familiar with these things, but I'll share some of the things that I know that we do. Um, so we offer guideline and raise line checks. Um, we can reformat information. So our documents, such as monthly statements, can be provided with large font. They can be provided in Braille. They can be provided via audio and data in CD. We also have reader services. So our bankers can read and explain materials to customers. We can do that over the phone. We can do that in the bank branches. For those of us who are hearing impaired, the firm offers sign language interpreters both to us as employees, um, but as well in our branches upon request. So we can, for more complex transactions um, that require um, extensive explanation and intermediation, we can arrange for a certified sign language interpreter. And our talking ATM machines are available in all of our branch locations, and they require a simple headset plug-in. So the last and the kind of my favorite part is assimilation, because that's where it all comes together. We talked about culture. We talked about recruiting. We talked about talent. We talked about leadership. We talked about accessibility tools and technology. But really, it's the way that it all comes together in our company for employees and for customers that is very, very important to us. Um, Internally, the kinds of things that we've done in the last couple of years make me especially proud. So, Our business resource group, accessibility, is a global function. I do it in North America. Our employee membership has grown by 25% per annum. I'm super proud of that. Um, We're very focused. Um, Thank you on employee engagement and uh, education, uh, which is awesome. Um, And we are trying to do some really fantastic things to make everyone aware of how to communicate and and operate as part of one team. In addition to what accessibility does, um, we have uh, the This Is Me campaign, which we launched initially in the UK and is going global. And that's really around removing the stigma um, for mental illness in the workplace. And I'm particularly proud of that work. It originated, as I said, in the UK Um, But this year, we're really taking that conversation global. And that is a very, very important thing. Our supplier diversity team is way cool. They do a bunch of fun stuff. um, But most importantly, they're working with diverse suppliers, including doobies and suppliers that are owned by individuals with disabilities, and try to to bring them into the firm. Um, One of the neat examples is a company called Spectrum Design Foundation. Um, And we partner with them. And they have an affiliate brand called Spectrum Bakes, which provides credible employment for individuals on the spectrum. I'm very proud of that work. Um, You probably hear a lot about us in the autism space. Um, Autism at work is a very, very important initiative for us. And there we do a lot in tandem with Microsoft, again, who provides a lot of leadership in that area. So Autism at Work was started by one of my colleagues. It began with a handful of employees in our Delaware operation in technology. We now have over 140 employees in 40 different job codes working globally for the firm. Um, and again, just great, great, great stuff going on in that space. We're a founding member of the Autism at Work Employer Roundtable. And again, we work with a lot of technology companies because we know the importance of technology when it comes to disability inclusion. I know that's a lot, <laughs> um, but I am really proud. Again, I, I see the firm making great strides in this area, um, but with so much more to do. With voices such as those voices that are in the room today, you know, we can only get better, be a better bank to all of you, bank to all of us. So I really want to thank you for your time today, for your leadership, for your involvement. Um, and for the privilege, frankly, for being a sponsor of ACB. Thanks so much.
0: Thank you, Andrea. Thanks so much. Thank you. And they are growing. I've noticed um, branches of Chase coming in 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 my town that didn't used to be there. So new opportunities for me to think about. All right, I'd like to, um, to recognize two for two presentations for our ACB Angels this morning. First, um, Charlotte Scott, who will be speaking about John, or as I knew him, Jack, a friend from my days in Salem, Oregon, Barbier, um, 1940 to 2018 from Salem,
11: Oregon. Charlotte? Charlotte? Good morning, everybody. Glad to see you here. I'm Charlotte, uh, Charlotte Scott, and I'm from Salem, Oregon, a member of ACB of, uh, Willamette chapter in Salem. And I'm here representing, I, call, I just called him Jack, John James Barbier. He was born April 21st, 1940, in the Dalles, Oregon, and grew up in White Salmon in Vancouver, Washington. He attended schools for the blind in Vancouver, Washington and Salem, Oregon, which due to uh, circumstances beyond the blind community is no longer in existence. They fought very hard to keep that. Due to Stargardt's disease, Juvenile Macular Degeneration, he was totally blind by the age of 35. The disease is genetic, therefore he chose to not have children. Jack did not let his blindness deter him from leading an active life. He snow-skied into his late teens until he could no longer safely see other skiers. Jack went to work for Salem Hospital at 60 cents an hour in the imaging department developing x-ray film in a totally dark room, a job many sighted individuals could not endure. He retired after 42 plus years with the hospital. Jack also ventured into the ham radio hobby, complete with licensed equipment and tall tower he and his father built and installed on top of their house. I think the farthest that he spoke to was Australia. Jack's greatest frustration was hearing people say, you can do or be anything you want to be. Technology has developed now that they didn't have 60 years ago. We had a speaker at... um, our convention last year Gary Supolo Sup- Supolo excuse me PhD he earned his PhD from the Pennsylvania it's not in there <laughs> Pennsylvania State University in 2010 in the field of chemistry education prior to that he completed his master of science degree in organic chemistry from Penn State in 2005 Before that, he completed his undergraduate studies at Purdue University with a dual degree major in chemistry and communications. When he was first going to school, he had a problem getting them to get uh, calculus in Braille. The government intervened and said if they didn't, they'd pull their funding. He got his Braille calculus books. His research interest is in accessibility, making science learning experiences more accessible in a hands-on way for students who are blind or otherwise print disabled. He successfully served as principal investigator on a National Science Foundation grant to develop the first text-to-speech-enabled scientific data logger, which he commercialized through his small business called Independence and Science. He also served as a grant reviewer for NSF and the U.S. Department of Education. He currently serves as chair of Ad Hoc Committee for Chemistry for the Braille Authority of North America. He leads a group of blind chemists and braille transcribers and is working to revise the chemistry braille code 1997 revision. Dr. Supalo currently is a member of the American Chemical Society's Committee on Community Activities. This committee committee plans for both Chemists Celebrate Earth Week and National Chemistry Week. Dr. Supalo has been appointed to chair National Chemistry Week 2021. He also serves as an active member of the National Federation of the Blind. We won't hold that against him and serves as a mentor for students who are blind seeking careers in science, technology, engineering, and math. When I heard him speak last year, I was so impressed that to know that the technology has developed to a point where the blind community can do almost anything they want to do. He's made it possible. He's got um, patents in all kinds of things. Jack loved life and lived it to the... I'll get back to where I'm supposed to be. Jack loved life and lived it to the fullest. Being blind did not stop him from doing what needed to be done, such as cutting a limb out of a tree, putting new siding on the garage making a new window frame and giving directions to me to drive to a cousin's house in Wisconsin, where I had never been, and he took me right to the driveway. He was inventive and creative. Jack and his family loved to fish. He had his own hunting tags and went hunting with friends whenever the opportunity arose. Jack was a longtime member of the Willamette chapter of American Council of the Blind of Oregon past president more times than he could remember. Jack was a faithful supporter, hardly ever missed a meeting, and volunteered wherever he could. Willamette Chapter and Blind Skills, created by Carol McCarl, created a training video for local transit drivers. They needed training in how to describe where they were, uh, that legally they had to accept the guide dogs and give space for them to be the uh, video is um, amazing acb of oregon also worked for and with legislation and passed the law for script talk that was passed this session after retirement jack and his longtime partner charlotte that'd be me had the opportunity to do some traveling we visited Mexico, Alaska, Wisconsin, Texas, Hawaii, Italy, China, and took a week-long riverboat cruise on the Columbia River and a jet boat up Hell's Canyon. Jack died June third, 2018, in Salem, Oregon, of ulcerative colitis and primary sclerosing cholangitis a progressive, non-alcoholic liver disease. It's not fair, my liver is probably pickled. He never drank. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Jack, for your kind and patient demeanor, your winning smile, your generous heart, and gentle soul. You will be missed. He can see now. Thank you. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you, you, Charlotte. (laughs) Charlotte, you made him very happy. He was a good friend. All right, I'd like to uh, recognize John Huffman to talk about another good friend, Edie Huffman.
12: Six months ago, yesterday, My angel left this earth and went to be with God forever. Letting go of her was one of the hardest things that I ever had to do. But when I knew that the time was near, I told her that she could leave and go to Jesus and be in eternal happiness. Katie was born on March the 15th, 1951, in Indianapolis. She grew up in Knox, Indiana, where both of her, par- both of her parents were teachers in the uh, community school system. She uh, attended Indiana University, grad- graduated with a degree in English. And then uh, after we married, um, she helped support me through graduate school. And when we, moved to Indi- when we moved from Indiana to North Carolina, uh, I returned that favor. Edie loved people, cats, books, libraries. And more particular um, to what we are doing here, she loved ACB. She was a strong woman, and she came to admire the strong women of ACB. And I know that she always felt deeply humbled and and grateful at how those strong women accepted her among them. So now she's in heaven. And I am here feeling, realizing how much I benefited from knowing her and having her as my life partner for 45 and a half years. Thank you.
8: you, She
0: was great. We're going to smile now. (laughs) Actually, I am smiling even though there's a tear or two. <laughs> so I'm going to turn the podium over to our second vice president, John McCann, so I can sit down and wipe my tears away. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, John, it's been a pleasure to work with you on the board. And I'm pleased to turn this over to you for as presiding officer for the remainder of the day. I'll be right here, in case you have any questions. Okay, I probably will. All righty. Thank you. Thank you.
13: (laughs) Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay, boys and girls, are we ready to rock and roll? I don't think I heard you. (laughs) Okay, you know. Got to make some compensations because, as I head into my mid-sixties, doubtless uh, courtesy of having been to any number of rock concerts with Marshall stacks cranked to the, about the 130 decibel level, uh, that that has exacts its own price tag. Uh, toll. That yeah, that's the it's taken a toll. It probably has. Uh, oh, yeah. That's yeah. Toll. <laughs> and he's one of my favorite bands. Kim, don't distract me like sorry, that. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Oh, college days, the golden days that fly. Two, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> to thee we sing with our glasses raised on high. Okay, That's a doff of the cap to Tom Lehrer. But as Kim has correctly stated, we are running a bit behind schedule. So I commend to you, or we have next coming up, the presentation of the 2019 ACB Scholarship Award winners. And to do that, and I'll get it right this year, is Denise colleague of Lacey Washington
14: Good morning and thank you John you know this is really fun every year i get the probably the most fun job around here because i get to be the person who oversees what we hope will be our next generation of acb members I just want to mention that this year, we will be awarding approximately $65,500 in scholarships. And I want to, first of all, introduce the scholarship committee, um, the vocational technical subcommittee, ably chaired by Rebecca Bridges from Arlington, Virginia. And on that committee are Susan Glass from Saratoga, California, and Linda Perrell from San Francisco, California. Our entering freshman subcommittee this year was ably chaired by Don Coors from Indianapolis, Indiana, with his um, uh, chairpeople, Valerie Stannard from Kansas City, Missouri, and Sheila Young, a new member to our committee from Orlando, Florida. Our undergraduate subcommittee this year was, had a new chair, Vicki Prayan from Columbus, Ohio. And her committee were Sarah Conrad from Fitchburg, Wisconsin, and Nina Kagan from West uh, Roxbury, Massachusetts. And Nina is also new to our committee this year. And our graduate subcommittee, chaired by Kathy Schmidt-Whitaker and her members from Diamond, California, and her members were Mike Gravitt from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and Gilly Presley from Tuscaloosa, Alabama. (laughs) We would like to take this opportunity to thank our sponsors this year, Adobe Systems, who sponsored the ACB Scholarship Mentoring Program, and ACB Lions, for their sponsoring of our scholarship travel, and Randolph Shepard Vendors of America, who sponsored both our scholarship dinner and our luncheon. Food. We all like food. <laughs> this year, the students will be receiving from Vispero a uh, the Zoom JAWS Fusion Package. They will also be enrolled in the back to school program through IRA, as they were last year. And to say just a few words about that, I'd like to introduce Paul Schrader, who's Vice President of Public Policy and Strategic Initiatives at IRA. Paul.
15: Thank you very much. Uh, thank, thank you, Denise. I um, Want to just say, first of all, I'm joined here on stage by Jelena Correa, who is the leader of our back to school program at Ira, and she would kill me if I made her say a word or two. But I will also, I will also tell you, she is leading Ira's team here at ACV exhibits and all other things. So I'd, I'd love if you just give Jelena a hand for all the work that she's been doing. <laughs> So last year, we did indeed give the scholarships, uh, the uh, IRA uh, program to the student scholarships. Heard from many students and all the great things they were doing, one uh, who Uh, had an inaccessible form surprise surprise um, to fill out in order to get a job on campus that was done successfully another one who had an inaccessible math class again surprise uh was able to use ira to do that of course all students using ira to find unfamiliar locations as some of you maybe have done here i hope you've all had a chance to download the app (laughs) Um, and I'll get out of the way and just say once again it's our honor and our pleasure uh, to partner with ACB and to offer our IRA back to school scholarship program to the ACB student co- scholars. Congratulations to all of you, and we're thrilled that we're able to provide IRA to you once again for this coming school year. Thank you.
14: Thank you, Paul. Last year I said, Can I become a student? <laughs> But then I became an IRA explorer, so all is good. All right, at this point in the program, I would like to introduce to you Alan Casey, who is co-chair of the uh, Fred Schraigert CCLVI scholarship program to award their three ACB scholarships.
16: Thank you, Denise, and uh, good morning. I have the privilege this morning of uh, representing uh, the Council of Citizens with Low Vision International and in the Fred Scheichert Scholarship Committee and introducing to you the three Scheichert Scholars for 2019. The freshman recipient is Raymond Lappin, and I'm, he and I have been practicing his hometown. Allop, Washington. I hope that's close. I can spell it, but I can't really, can't really say it. Uh, Raymond is a recent high school graduate. I think he graduated about three, three three and a half weeks ago. So he's still, as, uh, as we would all, we used to say when I was a kid, he's still wet behind the ears. He may not understand that expression. It's, not, it's probably not current today. Uh, Raymond will be attending the University of Washington. Where he will major in uh, either political science or philosophy. Uh, his career goal is to become a lawyer and uh, to represent individuals who are individuals uh, who ne- are in need of civil rights uh, protection. Raymond is captain of his high school, or I guess was now, uh, captain of his high school debate team. And uh, they, uh, he was telling me they just returned from Dallas, Texas, from a debate, a national debate tournament, uh, where they ranked uh, in the top 100 debate teams in the country. Uh, one thing he has done that is dear to my heart, and I wish I'd had someone to help me uh, with this along the way, he tutors sixth grade students who have difficulty with mathematics. So would you please welcome the Scheigert Freshman Scholarship recipient, Raymond Lappin.
17: They told me I had to go first because I was the youngest. (laughs) Um, First of all, I'd like to thank Mr. Fred Scheigert, who is the one that provided me with this scholarship and provided me with the opportunity to continue my education. I'm going to do my best to make the most of it. Uh, Next, I'd like to thank the CCLVI, Angelo, and those of you on the scholarship committee, uh, Alan and all the help you've helped me with uh, getting ready for the convention, and Jim for putting up with the many, many phone calls I've given you while at the convention because I got lost. (laughs) Uh, Next, I'd like to thank ACB for hosting this convention. Uh, I've never got to experience anything like this before, and I'm very grateful for this opportunity. Thank you.
16: Our second scholarship recipient is the undergraduate recipient. He is Matthew Turner from Eagle, Idaho. Uh, Matthew is a um, computer science major with a uh, secondary interest in economics at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. He uh, has uh, served as an intern with Hewlett-Packard, uh, working on cost projections for um Computer hardware. So, if you pay too much, uh, you can talk to Matthew about that. Perhaps <laughs> uh, he has been a team member uh, in South Africa, uh, working with students from uh, from uh, underprivileged students from townships uh, in South Africa. He um, unfortunately is not. He, well, he's also a uh, He's unfortunately not with us today. Um, Matthew uh, had another priority. He is engaged in a research project sponsored by MIT in Tel Aviv, Israel. It's a long commute, it's a long commute yes. And, we, he, and I, uh, he and I discussed that, and uh, I felt like I could not make that commitment for ACB or for the Shigerd Committee. Uh, nevertheless, uh, Matthew assured me he would be listening this morning Actually, I guess it's this early—probably early this evening—for uh, him. I hope he is. Um, I will share one thing with you. He and I talked to him on the telephone about uh, four weeks ago. He just arrived in Tel Aviv, and he was telling me about uh, how nice his apartment was and what a beautiful view of the beach he had. Yes. So, Matthew, my advice to you this morning is keep your focus. So,
5: <laughs>
16: <laughs> but at any rate, would you? Um, would you, join, uh, would you join together in a round of applause for Matthew? Uh, and he's listening. Our final recipient is uh, the Shigert Graduate Scholarship. And uh, that goes to Amanda Brinton of Gainesville, Florida. Amanda is a PhD student at the Univers- University of Florida. And she also holds a BS and MS degrees from uh, the University of Florida. She's an ecology major with an emphasis emphasis on solid waste management. Uh, She served as a Peace Corps volunteer in the Ecuadorian Amazon, and I'm sure she would have some interesting stories to tell us uh, about that. Uh, She also taught English uh, in Sao Paulo, Brazil. And she even found time to work with the Sierra Club. So would you please welcome Amanda Brenton?
18: Good morning. morning. Um, First and foremost, I would like to thank Fred Scheigert for this opportunity, and everyone that is involved with the CCLVI um, committee and community. Uh, This scholarship provides me uh, the opportunity to continue with my schoolwork so that I can continue to empower my students that I'm teaching. Uh, Thank you everyone, and being here really gives me the support to continue with my own disability and uh, gives me the resources to continue with my success. Thank you again.
16: And finally, I'd like to thank the, uh, our Scheigert Scholarship Committee. Uh, first of all, my um, fellow co-chair, uh, Jim Yurok. Uh, trying to keep up with Jim is not easy, as some of you know, if you know him. But um, I appreciate the work that he, he has done. The other members of the committee are Marja Byers of Oregon, Kathy Farina of New York, uh, Angela Lanier of Arkansas. Brian Petraich of Indiana. I didn't know our committee was so popular. Uh, Leslie Spoon of Florida. Lindsay Children of California. And the, the person to whom we owe the most, uh, Fred Schreigert of New York.
14: Thank you very much. OK, now it's my turn. And I do want to say, um, unfortunately, well, but maybe fortunately, we had actually seven now students who were not able to be here this year for one reason or another. Um, but I will attempt to tell you about them. We will begin with the Arnold Sadler Scholarship. It's given to a student studying in the field of disability rehabilitation, education, law, etc. The student can be an undergraduate or a graduate. Verlentia Samua is from Milford, Connecticut. She is a graduate student who will be attending Columbia University and getting her master's degree in social work and a social policy. Um, she wants to do disability, work in disability, immigration rights, and policies. Please help me welcome Verlentia Samua.
19: Hello. Um, I just first wanted to thank Arnold Sadler for funding my scholarship, as well as the ACB Scholarship
3: Committee for helping me fund my continuing education. I'd
19: also like to thank my family and friends for being my biggest support system. And I would also like to thank the ACB community as a whole just for
3: inspiring me to never give up on my dreams.
4: Thank you.
14: The Kelly Cannon Scholarship goes to a student studying in the field of computer science, data processing, programming, or web development. This year's winner is Mitchell Ridwell. Mitchell is from Pittsburgh, Indiana. He is an entering freshman who will be attending Purdue University, Lafayette, and majoring in computer science. This is amazing to me, guys. He's been to the National Braille Challenge competition nine times. And he has been a national winner, is it four times now? Uh, Now it's five. Five times. Please help me welcome Mitchell.
17: All right. So I want to preface this by uh, stating that this is my first time actually um, traveling alone. So this has been a very enlightening experience for me, and I'd like to thank everyone here for being very welcoming. And it's been amazing an amazing experience. Uh, I'd like to thank all the people that work with uh, the schol the scholarship committee to make these scholarship possible. Um, this is definitely going to help me uh, in my pursuit of the of education, so I can. Uh, pursue my dream of going into um, software application de- development um, I'd also like to thank everyone at the national office for working with me even though I've had many issues <laughs> um, and I'd like to thank um, everyone from my parents and my teachers and my friends who have supported me throughout um, this uh, throughout high school uh, thank you all and boiler up thank you. <laughs> I
14: kept encouraging Mitchell. I said, you can do it. We've all done it. It's just really scary the first time. (laughs) The Eunice Fiorito Scholarship is given to a student who has little or no vision studying in advocacy or disability services. It could be an undergraduate or a graduate student. And I happen to know this young lady because she comes from my state of Washington. Julie Harlow is from Graham, Washington. She is a graduate student attending Maryland University of Integrative Health in Laurel, Maryland, where she is getting her master's degree in health and wellness coaching. Please help me welcome Julie Harlow.
20: So I'm not sure. Can everybody hear me? Up, up, up. Okay. There you go. Oh, good. First, I need to apologize to everybody in here. Um, I was not able to hear anything through the introduction until just recently. So when the Pledge of Allegiance started, I didn't stand. I didn't mean any disrespect. I didn't know what was going on. So for that, ACB, I apologize. ACB, thank you very much for giving me this opportunity to pursue a new career change later in my life. And when I lost my vision six years ago, my WCB, my Washington chapter, Denise Colley, Cindy Van Winkle, and so many others, you guys were all an inspiration for me that being blind, I could still pursue something in this world. And for you guys, my family, ACB of Washington, and now my family of ACB of of America, thank you for giving me this opportunity.
14: The William Corey scholarship is presented to an individual residing in the state of Pennsylvania. Um, this young lady is not able to be here this year, but is a returning scholarship winner. Angelina Stillman is from New Holland, Pennsylvania, and she is, as I said, a returning winner. She will be att- is attending New England Law School beginning this fall located in Boston, where she will begin law school. Angelina couldn't be with us, because right before it was kind to come here, the sale of her house fell through, and she wasn't even sure she was going to get to go to law school in the fall. And uh, she got another buyer, but all of the closing had to take place this week. So I gave her a grace period. The Norma Schechter-Dr. Duane Buckley Scholarship is given to a student who is an undergraduate who has overcome major difficulties and should have little to no vision. And although the primary criteria call for the recipients to be an undergraduate, if no worthy candidate is found, then the award can go to a graduate student with the same qualifications. And I don't know how this happened, because this winner has been here all week, but had to leave to catch his plane. So I'm not sure what happened there. Anyway, um, the winner of that scholarship is Justin Hurd. Justin is from, oh, here we go, Milledgeville, Georgia. This fall, he will be a junior attending the University of Georgia in Athens, where he is majoring in religious studies. This summer, Justin will be traveling to Tanzania to work with parents of children with disabilities to build their advocacy organization. And while there, he will also be providing canes to a blind school and showing the students some basic orientation and mobility. And I'm sorry you missed him, because he's just such a neat guy. All right. The ACB of Oregon scholarship is awarded, of course, to a resident in Oregon. And the winner of this scholarship is also a returning scholarship winner this year. He, unfortunately, could not be with us this year because he is involved in a youth work experience through the Oregon Commission for the Blind. Ruben Flores is from Salem, Oregon. And as I said, he is a returning winner. He is attending Corbin University in Salem, majoring in piano performance and worship arts. Ah, Finally, we got one that's here. <laughs> The James R. Olson Memorial Scholarship goes to a student who must be an undergraduate studying in the field of business or computer science or information technology and involved in community service. Nathan Hayes is an entering freshman from Cary, Illinois. (laughs) He will be attending the University of Illinois, Springfield. Majoring in computer science. Please help me welcome to the microphone Nathan
7: Hayes. Hi. Um, yep, I got this broken. Uh, I would like to thank everybody involved with the ACB scholarship committee, especially Denise here, for helping me and allowing me the opportunity to even be here in the first place. So, you all deserve a round of applause. <laughs> thank you so much. And I would also really love to thank my parents and my family because without them, I would not be even close to standing here let alone going to school in the first place. So I would love to thank them. And with that, I will hand this back over to Denise. Thank you.
14: The John Hebner Scholarship is given to a student who is working full time and must be enrolled in substantial courses. The winner this year of the Hebner Scholarship is Sasha Samua. Does that name sound familiar? That's because Sasha and Valencia are sisters. Sasha is a returning scholarship winner. She was here last year. She is from Milford, Connecticut. She's attending George Washington University in Washington, DC, majoring in business marketing and event management with a minor in communications administration. She's currently interning for Special Olympics DC as a social media intern, where she manages and promotes their various platforms and website. She is also currently interning at Children's and Screens within their social media and journalism department. Please help me welcome Sasha Samua.
19: Hi, everyone. I just wanted to come up and thank ACB and the selection committee, and then just for receiving the scholarship in general. um, ACB has taught me so much in the last couple of years that I've attended convention. I've learned a lot about determination and perseverance. So I'm very thankful for learning those skills. And then just um, thanking ACB for allowing me to continue my education and my family for always supporting me. Thank you.
14: Floyd Qualls Memorial Scholarship is a general merit scholarship awarded to a student who is enrolled full-time in an accredited post-secondary institution. And each of our subcommittees, along with the committee chairs, each award a Quall Scholarship. So we give five of those. So our entering freshman winner of the Floyd Qualls Scholarship is Kate Franklin. Kate is from Hillsboro, North Carolina. She is a freshman who will be attending the University of North Carolina at Charlotte and majoring in communications. In 2016, she started her own business called Wag-A-Lot. She makes and sells dog collars, bandanas, and bow ties. And she has mailed over 1,500 products since starting. She um, is not here this week because she is training Beginning, begin training the first of July for a guide dog. So she's at guide dog school. Our undergraduate uh, qual scholarship goes to Macy Pendergrass. Macy, Macy is from Alba, Texas. I had to ask her where Alba, Texas was. She is a freshman who, or sophomore, who will be. 10 attending Texas A&M University, majoring in nursing dermatology. Macy was captain of the volleyball team and softball teams at her school, and she's had an award named, in her honor, the Macy Pendergrass Perseverance Award, which is going to be awarded every year to a high school athlete who perseveres in athletics, no matter what obstacles they have. Macy.
21: Um,
22: Hi, first I would like to thank my family for always supporting me in every decision I make and for being there to talk and support me in whatever it is I need. I would also like to thank my teachers, every coach, faculty, and staff for shaping me into the person I am today. And lastly, I would like to thank the ACB for generously allowing me to represent them by receiving this scholarship. It is organizations like this one that allow the visually impaired and blind community like me the opportunity to be successful. Thank you and God bless.
14: The undergraduate Floyd Quall Scholarship, I'm sorry, uh, yeah, the undergraduate Floyd Quall Scholarship goes to Natalie Triplett. Natalie is from Las Vegas, Nevada. Her, she previously worked with autistic and special needs children, as well as with addiction and recovery programs. However, after a serious accident that took most of her vision, as well as some other significant medical issues, she determined to change that the change was in order. So she has returned to school. This fall, she will be attending Atlantic Institute of Oriental Medicine in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, where she hopes to become a doctor in acupuncture and oriental medicine. Please help me welcome Natalie Triplett.
22: Hello, everybody, and good afternoon. Just checking if you're listening. (laughs) You can hear me okay? Yeah, go ahead. This is Daisy, and I am her pet, Natalie Triplett. And (laughs) we attend Miami Dade College in South Florida. And um, I'd like to share, I know that they told us we only get one minute to share, but I'll make it quick. Um, Three years ago, I was in a life-changing accident. Um, uh, I was... My, my left carotid artery was basically hanging by a thread, which created a stroke. I lost all my vision, I was paralyzed, and I suffered great brain damage. The doctors who examined me told my family I sh- they should probably just prepare for this is it. And so they put my life, my business, my home, everything in storage. The next day, guess what? I woke up. I guess that I decided it's not going to be that way. (laughs) Thank you. So the journey began, and I had to learn everything again, from my numbers, my letters, um, what year it was, what my name was, who my family was who the president was (laughs) sorry (laughs) that was a shocker um (laughs) no just kidding (laughs) and so um my sister urged me to to go back to school and so um i upon learning to read learning to to process learning to think again i mean I, i got a diagnosis which was kind of interesting Um, In order to have my little dog certified, they needed to diagnose me. I was diagnosed as adjustment disorder, an adjustment disorder for a new brain, because I'm literally learning, because I got a second chance in life of how to process um, because of the stroke and the brain damage, I don't have any attachments to anything, which the neuros can't explain, but they said one day I might like men again. So I'm hoping for that. <laughs> so literally, I have to do everything over. If I, I see chocolate, I have to eat it again see if I like it. If I, I have to go somewhere, <laughs> and I do, by the way. <laughs> and... and um, So life is pretty interesting. Like every day is brand new. Um, Some days, you know, just like everybody else, I wake up and go, okay, where am I? (laughs) And I would just like to uh, thank everybody who is a part of this. Um, I'm very grateful for being here. Um, I'm grateful to the universe for allowing me a second chance. I've had people tell me that I got a reset button on my brain and I'm really grateful for that. And in terms of rebooting, I'm hoping to fill it with education. I'm hoping to be the first visually impaired acupuncture doctor. And if you think about what that means, I'm going to be putting needles in you. So, you know, I'm hoping to be well qualified and I appreciate everything and all the help um, since I got here. I, I am the one wandering about with a smile on my face, not knowing where I'm going. And um, this is my my first convention, and um, I appreciate all the help from Denise and everybody through the ACB. And if it wasn't for you, um, so many of us wouldn't be able to share a gift, yeah, whatever that may be. And um, on behalf of Daisy and I, I really appreciate your kindness. Thank you.
14: Is that an amazing story, or what? <laughs> Kate was our, our entering freshman quals. Macy was our vocational quals. And um, Natalie was our undergraduate. The uh, ACB committee chairs winner of the Floyd Qual Scholarship is Alexander Densmore. Alex is from Strongsville, Ohio. He will be attending Oregon State University's post-baccalaureate program as an eCamp student, major e-camp- e-campus student majoring in computer science. He also has a BA in Latin Language and Literature and a Master's in Education in Foreign and Second Language Education. He is presently a Latin instructor at Michigan Virtual and Carmenta Latin School. Uh, He is a member of ACB of Ohio. We have a few this year who are actually members of affiliates. And I have had an absolute, it's been absolutely fun to get to know Alex. So please help me welcome Alex Densmore.
23: Well, first of all, I'd like to start with sort of a non-traditional thank you. I'd like to thank the person who jumped out of the airplane before me when I went skydiving. Uh, (laughs) The story behind that is um, it was at the ACB National Convention in 2014. Uh, That woman is now my wife, uh, Rachel Densmore. Uh, We (laughs) met for the first time there, found out each other, that both of us were from Ohio and uh, just really hit it off um, because of our uh, mutual interest in education. Um, I'd also like to thank uh, everyone at ACB who's made the scholarship possible, uh, the ACB Scholarship Committee, uh, ACB students uh, for their help throughout the convention. I'd also like to thank the other sponsors of various events that were mentioned, including Adobe, um, including Randolph Shepard Vendors of America, and including uh, ACB Lions. And then um, I'd also like to thank ECB Ohio uh, for all their support, as well as the uh, Cleveland chapter. And finally, I'd like to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank Thank you.
14: Congratulations. Our romance is not dead. Our fifth and final. Floyd Qualls scholarship winner is our graduate Floyd Qualls winner. It goes to Amanda Lannan. She is from Maitland, Florida. She is a doctoral student attending the University of Central Florida, majoring in education. She is currently a graduate research assistant, where she works to evaluate technical solutions to improve access to STEM. And if you don't know what STEM
5: is,
14: (laughs) no, I was going to tell them to ask her (laughs) Um, for students with disabilities. She is certified in education, special education, and visual impairment, and her goal is to become a teacher, educator, leader in special education. Please help me welcome Amanda Lennon.
18: good morning Wow what an honor and a privilege it is to be here with these scholars on this stage it is incredible uh, I am just I am humbled to be here with them uh, thank you to ACB all of the contributors the sponsors and of course to the to the chair um, the committee and the and the, the chair of the committee thank you so much uh, I also want to thank my family my husband, who's here and puts up with all my crazy travel, and especially to ACB. This has been uh, in a wonderful week. Luckily, it's only half over, so we have a, a lot of time still to enjoy. And uh, I just thank you so much, and I look forward to continuing uh, being part of ACB. And a big shout out to my Florida and especially my Orlando group. Thank you. Yeah.
14: Thank you, Amanda. Once again this year, Ross Pangier and the Ross Pangier Foundation for the Visually Impaired has graciously provided us with three $7,500 scholarships. None of our Pangier scholarship winners are with us this year, um, but they're all doing you know, important things. You know, it's been really interesting because um, we are discovering more and more that students are doing internships and those kinds of things during our convention time, so we um, definitely will be needing to deal with that. The Panjshir Scholarship is given to a student who is studying in the field of business, computer science, or information technology. And the first recipient of that scholarship is also a returning scholarship winner. He actually received the same scholarship last year. Joshua King is from Marion, Iowa. He is a sophomore who is attending the University of Notre Dame, majoring in business analytics, working toward a master's in business administration. He hopes to pursue a career in supply chain and operations management. And this summer, he is serving as a camp ministry intern. It's a work service that you have to do through Notre Dame. um, At Camp Sharing Meadows, a summer camp for adults with disabilities, physical, mental, or um, developmental disabilities. Our second recipient of the Panjir Scholarship is Anna Ort. Anna Ort is from Issaquah, Washington. Washington was really good this year, awesome. She will be a freshman at Brown University, hopefully double majoring in Computer Science and Cognitive Science. After college, she hopes to utilize her newfound knowledge of the connections and similarities between computers and the human brain to create assistive technology. She has already created voice recognition software that is intended to make the science experiment process more efficient for the blind. And finally... The third recipient is also a returning Pangier Scholarship winner and is receiving his second scholarship this year. It goes to Matthew Turner. As we said, Matthew is from Eagle, Idaho. He's a junior studying computer science, economics, and data science at MIT. Matthew. Um, He says that as a student, he is interested in applications of economics, optimization, and machine learning concepts to business decisions. And upon graduation, he would like to work for an airline company to solve problems such as ticket pricing and flight scheduling to maximize both profit and consumer satisfaction. And uh, as uh, Ellen said, because he's in Israel, we'll excuse him for not being here, although I said I was kind of jealous. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the class of 2019. We would like to... Go ahead, you can applaud. I want to remind everyone about the scholarship reception this evening at 5:45 in Douglas in the Riverside on the second floor. Yes. And we definitely we actually we invite two people from each affiliate to come but we won't turn you away if you want to come. And we especially want to invite those affiliates or those states that have um, scholarship winners to come and meet the scholarship winners. So we hope to see you. As many of you as possible at 5.45. Um, As soon as we break, we will be taking pictures. Um, So if the scholarship committee members who are here and would like to be part of the picture can come up to the stage, we're going to take pictures over in the corner on the stage. So thank you very much for allowing me this opportunity again this year.
1: ACB of Indiana would like to donate $100 to the Olson Scholarship Fund. Oh, oh, thank you. There you go. Um,
13: it is my pleasure now to introduce uh, Debbie Rozier of Allentown, Pennsylvania, a little doff of the cap to Billy Joel, one of his best songs, and uh, Deb Trevino of Newark, Delaware, who will introduce to you reveal to you it's a reveal party for the affiliate membership Growth Awards
24: Hi I'm Deb Trevino and I am the co-chair for the awards committee Debbie Rosier and I have worked together and uh, with with a, a great committee to um, just enjoy enjoy these this um, award could be a two-part award. It originally was intended, you know, it could be two chapters or however. But what we did is we found out that both the affiliate growth in percentage and the affiliate growth in numbers went to the same group. And so we combined it. And I have to tell you that with this group of students... We are just amazed and we're so glad to have them being such a vital part of what ACB is doing and especially as we look toward the future, we can, as we get older, those of us who are, you know, don't want to talk about that. We, we, can, we can just look to these students to really add a lot of um, enthusiasm and it, uh, just energy and vitality to ACB. And so we are so thrilled to present this award to ACB students. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Amina is going to accept this award on behalf of ACB students.
25: We would like to thank you guys for making this possible. If you guys as affiliate leaders and chapter leaders have students that you think would be good to connect with us, please, please, please reach out to us
7: and we will ensure that they get incorporated into our organization and we'll ensure that they feel happy and accepted at ACB and we would really
25: appreciate your help. Thank you so much.
26: The award reads, the Affiliate Growth Award presented to ACB students in recognition of the largest number of new members and the largest percentage of membership increase in 2019, July 8, 2019, Rochester,
18: New York. This is Amanda Selm, Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, Just wanted to remind everyone that is 40 and under that ACB Next Generation will be hosting a meeting greet tonight from 4.30 to 7 p.m. Um, in the street craft kitchen and bar located on the lobby level at the Hyatt Regency. Everyone is welcome. If you have any questions, stop by the Kentucky table where you can find me or contact Claire Stanley from the ACB national office. Thank you. From the
27: ACB mini mall, I have a couple of things. First of all, I want to tell you that Yesterday was our biggest day ever. Not just this year. In the but history ever. of the mini malls? In the mini mall. Oh my gosh. We uh, you shared with us and took home mini mall products and bought forum tickets and all kinds of things, and our total was over five thousand one hundred dollars wow. yesterday. Woohoo. Today We are having a one-day sale on flash drives and SD cards. They they are $5 off each today. (laughs) Also uh, remember that you can buy those DKM tickets at the Mini Mall, and you can also buy forum tickets. If you came at the end of the day to buy forum tickets yesterday, and we were out, uh, that we have a new supply today. Uh, We had 15 purchased just yesterday, so keep it up. Um, And finally, uh, remember to check out our jackets. We do have some of the fleece jackets from previous years, a few of those left, and of course there's our new jackets lots of tech things to come see so uh, come by and check it out Uh, look at our new tote bags look at all of the neat things that there are at the mini mall you start at booth one which is just to your left as you come in the door and exhibits and that is the first table and uh, at the end of that table is uh, David Cox. We call him the tip man because he's always putting tips on canes. And you can purchase canes there and then work your way on down the table to see all the other goodies. Thanks for supporting the Mini Mall, and we look forward to seeing you in there today. Um, The
2: auction is Tuesday night. If you have items, please take them to the information desk. Preview starts at 6 p.m., Tuesday night, please come, bid, bid, bid. There's a bar, food, (laughs) bring your friends. Thank you to everybody that has donated this year.
28: And come and have fun and show your love for ACB. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, good morning. This is Judy Jackson. I'm proud to tell you all that ACBGE is sponsoring a resume writing workshop, Joanne McIntyre is here and is ready. Um, to work with um, anyone who wants to to improve their resume or get a resume written. You don't have to have a copy. If you know what your work history is, she'll help you get that down. Please feel free to call me at area code 940-255-9241. Or if you want to email me at jjackson.com 193 at iCloud.com. You can email me or call me at either of those places, and I will get you set up. Um, You can email her your resume, and when you call me, I'll give you that email, and we'll get you going. We've got lots of slots available. This is Christy
26: Crespin, and I am looking for someone to help um, on Friday, I'm going to the Niagara Falls tour, and I need someone to watch my guide dog, Caroline, the Labradoodle, because we're not supposed to take our dogs on this tour. So you can contact me. Uh, I'm in room 837 at the Riverside, or you can call 909 Seven one
0: uh, eight nine, nine. An and I'm with the California delegation.
3: Yeah, Thank you. Okay. All
0: right, I have an announcement. Okay. Someone left an iPhone at the Multicultural Affair lunch yesterday. So if you can tell me, you know who you are, and come forward and tell me about the case you have your phone in, I might believe that it's yours and we can return it to you. Because you must be in a total panic. So. If you're not in the room, spread the word. Maybe you know the person that lost their phone. I would be totally panicked. So
13: please, please help. Thank you, Madam President. Chris Gray, I just want to announce the for those members of the ACB Diabetes Working Group who can make it, our meeting is at 1.30 this afternoon. The room number is Riverside 1425. <clears throat> Riverside 1425. Thank you.
29: Hello, there Mike and Dino. Hi. Uh, I, I want everybody to know that the MMS, the Monthly Monetary Support Program, table number four in the uh, uh, exhibit hall, and uh, I'd like to announce two uh, winners of uh, uh, drawings from the uh, last two days, if I may, yes. Madam President. Okay. Uh, we like winners. For, for the first day, we're giving away... Uh, Envelopes of uh, gift gift prizes, gift door, uh, what do they call them? Gift cards, and we have eighty dollars worth of gift cards in each envelope. Wow! Yeah, they're very nice this year, and uh, those gift cards are all. Walmart, I mean, a Walgreens, a uh, Target, a Visa card, there's a Starbucks card, there's even a $10 bill. So, uh, you know, come to the MMS, sign up, and get in on the next three drawings, because I got three more to go. But uh, for yesterday's drawing, it was uh, Patricia Spoon was the winner for yesterday, and for uh, well, today, it's uh, Chris Chris Trevino. Chris Trevino was the winner from... Uh, this morning, so uh, those are the two winners. I'll make sure that they get their envelopes, and uh, if you come see me over at the MMS table, you could be the winner tomorrow. That's great. Looking forward to it. So we have
30: a uh, beach blanket with a cocktail design, perfect for margaritas on the beach, perhaps on Long Island, perhaps. And the winner is?
31: We have Debbie Pomerance from Silver Spring,
30: Maryland. Debbie Pomerantz, are you here? Debbie Pomerantz from here? I don't think so. No Debbie Pomerantz? Okay, let's draw again. Paul Jurgi from Buffalo,
31: New York. Oh, he's here. Okay, great. Is he here? Wave it. Is he here? No, somebody was cheering, but I didn't see Paul. Is Paul here?
13: Is Paul here?
31: Paula N. Nunson from Valley City, North Dakota.
13: Hooray! You got somebody. Awesome. Awesome. We actually got somebody.
30: Very nice on the beaches of the Outer Banks, I'm
5: sure.
13: It is my pleasure to introduce to the stage at this point um, to talk about vision loss and personal recovery, Uh, a journey through writing and publishing, Ms. Hannah Fairburn. From Santa Cruz, California.
5: Hello. Oh.
21: All right. Hello, good morning. My name's Hannah Fairbairn, and I want to say hi, especially to Massachusetts.
5: Thank
21: you. So, uh, today is Uh, very exciting first of all because I'm here and in among all of you so in about in two weeks time a book called When You Can't Believe Your Eyes is finally going to get published and it will come in print and in an accessible version and uh, this book has taken about just about 15 years to get from the first idea, which were, came about at the Carroll Center, where I taught for 18 years. Um, the Carroll Center for the Blind is in Newton, Massachusetts. And it's an adult training facility, a private agency. And um, so I started teaching personal management which is all that good stuff about cooking and cleaning and grooming and you know going to stores and all this and it became clear after a little while that as well as knowing how to do all these activities you had to know how to speak and act so that when you were in various situations in restaurants, in stores, you know, when you're somewhere like this, finding the toilet, just ordinary, everyday things, you had to know how to speak and how to act so that you would get treated as a competent adult, and indeed you would be a competent adult, you, and you, but you would not be either aggressive or compliant. So very gradually, starting in about 2000 and, well, 2000, actually, we began to have at the Carroll Centre interpersonal skills classes. First of all, for the kids coming to youth in transition programmes, the 14 to 20-year-olds or 22-year-olds would come, and we'd have large group classes where they tried out all kinds of interactions and generally got their confidence up about how to stand and how to act and what to ask for, and really how to coach the person they were talking to who would very often be highly dependent on seeing, even for how to be, when to begin to speak, um, how to coach the person you're talking to so they give you good information and if you need assistance, good assistance. And so gradually, this, uh, this idea of teaching interpersonal skills spread in the Carroll Center until most adults doing residential programs would have at least six weeks of one or two classes a week in this interpersonal skills. And um, people really enjoyed the classes. When we were doing small group classes, Uh, for three or four adults and if you've got a group uh, of people that you know who have visual impairment, you know, who live with blindness, this is a great idea. I really recommend it. You get together and you do role playing of any awkward situations that any one of you doesn't quite know how to deal with. And, you know, one of you is the salesperson or the waiter and one of you is the blind person and or one of you is the parent or the bossy daughter or whatever it is. And you work out how you are going to deal with this situation in an assertive way. And assertive doesn't mean kind of being high-handed or rude it means being positive firm you know clear specific about what you need and as i said before coaching the other person in what it is you need, because people who, are, who use sight as a dominant sense, as we all know, have very little idea, usually, of how to make themselves useful or give you information in a useful way. Anyway, gradually, this uh, got into a bigger kind of a thing. And I started a website with a weekly blog called Vision Loss and Personal Recovery. And then there was a focus group of previous students, alumni of the Carroll Centre, and we'd meet once a month and have a long session on some topic that everybody thought was important. And they'd come at it from the point of view of different eye conditions, different degrees of vision loss, and so on. And um, so I learned a whole lot from that. Also from commenters on the blog, And most of all from all the people who were in interpersonal skills group, other teachers at the Carroll Center, and from over 100 long interviews with students and clients who I would ask questions about how they socialized, how they did shopping, you know, what was happening at home, and so on. And so... Gradually, I began to realize that people, almost everybody, needed a real how-to guide and resource for dealing with vision loss, especially in the first year or two or three or four, because you know how trying to get used to it and deal with it goes on. And also for young people beginning to leave home, They also needed a real accessible guide to how to deal with things along with plenty of good resources. So I retired in 2016 and then started the hunt for a publisher. And luckily, I'm married to somebody who's an editor. And so he really, yeah, exactly, taught. You know, when I first started writing, he said, after a bit, he said, do you know what a sentence is? (laughs) And the answer was, no, well, not very clearly. Uh, So anyway, he kind of cleaned it up. And there's now quite a short book full of bullet points about what to do. You know, there's many, many sections. It's 12 chapters. The first half of the book or the first third of the book deals with... um, people new to vision loss, and then the second two-thirds is about how to become more assertive in your daily life, how to become more of a competent adult. It doesn't tell anybody what words to use or how, what kind of tone to use because that's a very individual thing. But it gives you... Okay. It gives... It gives you a kind of ideas of how to go about it. So I've been given the word. So it's going to be published in two weeks. The book is called When You Can't Believe Your Eyes. And the subtitle is Vision Loss and Personal Recovery. By the fall, it will be available as a talking book on BARD. And... I I hope also the publisher will agree to let it go on to Bookshare. If you know people, because it went to a small publisher, I'm afraid the price is going to be much higher than I would have wished, but if you know someone who is not ready for talking books, it will be available on the companion website, whenyoucan'tbelieveyoureyes.com because of some fundraising It'll be available to people new to blindness or who've got a big income drop for just a few dollars. So whenyoucan'tbelieveyoureyes.com, I'll be outside at the end of this session at noon just where the marketplace is as you go out the doors on the left if anybody would like a Braille and large print card or more details. Thank you very much.
13: Okay. Yes, great. Excellent. Thank you. Uh, what is Vision Serve Alliance? And to talk to us about that is Ms. Lee Nahasi, Nasahi, sorry, Nasahi, Na, Nasahi, from, oh, very good, from Winter Park, Florida. I can say Winter Park, Florida. I can do that much. Okay, here she is. Give her a big hand. Thank
25: you very much. So don't worry about my last name. You're, you wouldn't believe what good company you're in with, uh, struggling with that. Yes. My kids used to dread being awarded anything at school because they knew they had to say their last name. But it's Lee Nasahi, and I am the new, relatively new, since March 1st, Chief Executive of Vision Serve Alliance. By show of hands, how many of you know what Vision Serve Alliance is or have heard of it? And you're not going to hurt my feelings if you don't. Yeah, very few. Very few, and that's what we expected, and we hope to change that. So... um, Vision Serve Alliance is a national association of leaders of nonprofit organizations with missions of serving people with blindness or low vision. Our purpose is the facilitation of executive leadership development and networking leadership opportunities in order to strengthen capacity and impact in the field of blindness and low vision. We're an international association, but most of our members are in America. And all of our members at this point are either uh, leaders of a nonprofit organization or an associate member. We do have a, a new category of membership for individuals who are involved in this field as well. And we have four associate members. Our members include organizations like, yay, ACB. So thank you very much for belonging, ACB. And AFB, APH, many lighthouses, dog guide schools, private schools for the blind. All across the country, we have 118 members. And we hope to continue to grow that. Our official address is in St. Louis, Missouri. Where's Missouri? You. The show me say, and I met Naomi just for the first time yesterday. I see you, Naomi. <laughs> Pleasure was mine, and I hope that we will continue to connect. But as was mentioned, I actually work out of my home office, which is in central Florida. So where's GOCB? <laughs> woo My Florida peeps. And I see Paul Edwards down there. Hi, Paul the rest of the Floridians. And um, prior to working at Vision Serve Alliance, I was the CEO of Lighthouse Central Florida. So I've been involved with um, this field for a long time. I have a, a son, an adult son, who is blind and has other disabilities. And we will be joining ACB as well and attending the conferences here forward. So I am thrilled that ACB has joined VSA and honored to have been asked to serve on its advisory board because there are many things that ACB and Vision Serve Alliance can collaborate on we're we're looking forward to many great things over the next few years and i'd say the most important thing is assuring that our our mutual consumers are connected to each other so Persons who are receiving services at our member organizations need to know about ACB and the wonderful benefits it offers. And we can assure or encourage that that happens. And vice versa. We like all the organizations across the country who are involved in service to people with blindness and low vision to know about VisionServe because we're a, a network of leadership. It is the leaders who come together to share great ideas and help each other to be strong and bring back ideas to their own organizations to enhance its impact on the field. So there are three initiatives that VisionServe is involved in right now that I'd like to share with you. First of all, building on the important work of the 21st century agenda for aging and Vision loss that was spearheaded by AFB for several years. Vision serve Alliance has been working with many of the advocates across the country to create what we are now calling the Aging and Vision Loss—sorry, Aging and Vision Loss National Coalition. The steering council of that coalition includes Clark Ratchville of ACB and about 15 other leaders across the country who are involved in assuring that older persons with vision loss have the resources and services they need to live well. Um, The group has determined that its focus will be three things. First of all, raising public awareness of the needs and appropriate services for older persons with vision loss, as well as connecting older persons with vision loss to the services and resources they need. So public awareness is one. The second is enhancing funding for services for for older persons with vision loss. And we'll be looking at more than just federal funding. What are the state and local resources and networks that we can leverage to assure that uh, services are better for people? And then third is increasing the pool of qualified personnel to serve older persons with vision loss. Um, An age-old problem that has certainly not gotten any better, but we we will have a group focused on that. And we will be looking, again, outside the box. What are creative solutions in in addition to trying to get more people enrolled in university programs? What can we do to assure that personnel, say allied health personnel, know what they're doing when they're working with older persons with vision loss? So we're excited about those three uh, foci. There is a subcommittee being developed for each of those foci, and we have co-chairs, and they are reaching out now to recruit additional members to those subcommittees. So that's, that's the first initiative I wanted to let you know about. Secondly, VisionServe Alliance has been piloting electronic referral system called Vision Refer for about six months now in earnest. This was developed as an easy button for eye care professionals who only need to enter a patient's address, and that patient would be directly connected to the local vision rehabilitation service provider. Um, The service provider then reaches out to the patient and shares info with the doctor as they move through services. So we have 50 service providers who are involved with Vision Refer now, and we're hoping to have all of Vision Refer's members involved in service provision become uh, connected, registered with Vision Refer, and then the big task is getting referral sources, primarily physicians. We want physicians to register. It's super easy for them to do that. We need everybody out there in the community letting doctors know that this resource exists. We also understand that it's not just Thank you. Not just eye care professionals who can make referrals. I understand ACB gets a lot of calls from people wondering where where services are. So ACB could register as a referral source as well and have an easy way because it will directly refer people based on their address to the service providers that serve that area. Yeah. So. It, it's a, in pilot status, but we are gathering in Orlando the day after tomorrow with most of the organizations who have been involved in the pilot to talk about what's working, what's not, and what will uh, 2.0 look like and, and trying to continue to improve that. So we, we are hopeful that this will take off and really assist in providing direct connect to services across the country. So the last thing, last initiative I want to share with you is that VisionServe Alliance is going through strategic planning and is changing its direction a little bit, um, analyzing and finding out what it is that our members want. Why do member org, Why do people belong to VisionServe? And the biggest answer, the most popular answer I received in interviewing, calling, having focus groups with our members is, as a leader, they belong to VisionServe because they want to be part of the national conversation, the national community that cares about our services in our field and wants to make an impact. So while we provide two conferences a year that traditionally have provided leadership training and topics that um, are relevant to our field... There's more that our members want. They want to be part of a strategic conversation nationally and making a difference as we move forward. So the board of VisionServe Alliance made the bold decision that its fall conference in Atlanta, Georgia, will be very different than most conferences we, well, than any conference we've ever had at VisionServe and most conferences you'll find around the country. Vision Serve Alliance is opening space for the future of living well with blindness and low vision. This will be a conference, sort of an unconference. That is the topic, living well with blindness and low vision. We are inviting leaders from across all sectors in this field, not just members of VisionServe, who care about this and want to come and spend two and a half days to talk about great ideas, share initiatives that are working, um, and move the conversation forward. So we will be issuing our official invitation on our website and through the mail actually conducting a, a PR campaign about this because we want everyone across the country who might care to be a part of it to hear about this and join us. And then the information that we gather through those two and a half days, we will share with everyone. So. The great ideas will be out there. Who knows where it's going to go? We're not expecting, you know, like a, a, a strategic plan, but there will be great ideas, and we'll all get a sense of where the national conversation is right now. So check out on our website if you'd like more information about that. That should be out in another week or two. So the leadership of VisionServe, which is every member, is now focused on future impact And we're all eager to collaborate. Thank you, Eric, for joining the movement. And I'm looking forward to working with all of you at ACB. Thank you very much for having me. Let's be in touch.
13: Okay, next up we have further collaborative strategic directions for both the American Foundation of the Blind and the American Printing House for the Blind. So I commend to you um, President and CEO uh, Kirk Adams of AFB and President and CEO of the American Printing House
32: will be Greg Meter. Good morning, everybody. This is Kirk Adams. It's great to be with you again. And I am uh, proud, proud to say I am uh, the president and CEO of the American Foundation for the Blind. I'm the sixth president, the sixth blind president. It's, uh, it's wonderful being here and sharing the podium with my friend and uh, colleague Craig Metter from American Printing House. I think sharing the stage just really exemplifies uh, AFB's strategic focus on collaboration and partnering. And we are partnering in many ways with APH, and we'll continue to do so. And we've partnered uh, in many ways with ACB over the years, and we'll continue to do so. Um, Katie Frederick currently serves on our board of trustees. I know Jeff Tom and Brian Charles are at the conference. Past trustees, so we've uh, we have a, a great relationship that will broaden and broaden and deepen. So, uh, for those of you who don't know, AFB we are a private nonprofit, not a mem- not a membership organization like ACB. Founded in 1921 by the two uh, professional associations in the blindness field, the uh, te- Teachers of the Blind and Workers for the Blind. Uh, of course, Hel- Helen Keller was our most famous employee and. Uh, we recently received a National Endowment for the Humanities grant, and we uh, have digitized all of the Helen Keller archival material. And it's all searchable and all accessible. And all of the handwritten material's been transcribed. So if you go to afb.org and click on the Helen Keller archive, there's there's hours of fun searching those, searching those archives. You can also, at afb.org, learn about our strategies and keep up to date on our initiatives and we're focusing on three really big areas education of blind kids and employment for blind adults and then uh, supports for older older persons who become blind as part of the aging process and we're really looking at all of these areas through the lens of employment Um, as we drill down through our strategic planning process we we um came to understand that the most good we can do as an organization is to devote our time, energy, and resources to employment. So what do blind kids need uh, for successful transition from school to work? What do older people who become blind need to retain their employment? And how do we create pathways to satisfying careers for people who are blind? And we use use research. Um, we We have researchers on on staff, we're really looking for evidence-based, promising practices um, you know, to create that world of no limits for people who are blind. And I, I just want to touch on two initiatives that are related to employment briefly. So the Ability One program—I know there's lots of lots of folks here who are involved in the Ability One program, um, working under the javis wagner oday Act and uh, affiliated with National Industries for the Blind. Uh, about a year ago, July 26th, the uh, anniversary of the ADA, uh, AFB was named as the third central nonprofit agency under this program, joining National Industries for the Blind and Source America. Uh, AFB was really instrumental in starting the program with the passage of the Wagner O Day Act in uh, 1938. And we have a five year cooperative agreement with the Ability One Commission, the, the federal agency. That runs the program, and we're we're in the first phase, which is research and study. And our our um, task is to bring forward a new model that really creates career paths for blind people in knowledge-based work and 21st century careers. We're looking at three broad industry areas: health healthcare, IT, and uh, banking and finance. And really looking at pathways that lead to c- competitive. Integrated employment, and we're focusing on employment in large corporations or um, directly with the federal government. So, right now, we're intervie- interviewing uh, key stakeholders and analyzing the data. So, we're talking to major corporations, we're talking to the 24 largest federal agencies, we're talking to state VR leadership, um, nonprofits, educational institutions. Uh, most importantly, you know, blind, blind people who are Successfully and meaningfully employed in uh, in these careers. So agree- the agreement calls for us to bring forward a, a new model early next year. So again, you know, track our track our progress up at at afb.org. Um, secondly, we're uh, kicking off a blind leaders development program. Again, we we did our research and we've settled on a curriculum called the Leadership Practices Inventory, uh, developed by Kuzis and Postner. They're, the Kind of the, the the book that describes that is called the the Leadership Challenge. I have it have it on my Braille Sense from Bookshare, so I know it's it's there. Um, so we're going to bring in a cohort of sixteen blind people each year. We'll do a three-day intensive training based on Leadership Practices Inventory in conjunction with our leadership conference, which will be at the end of March in Arlington, Virginia and then we'll provide ongoing personalized coaching um, with the lpi trainer and we'll match um, the participants up with uh, blind mentors so applications for participants in the leadership program and for mentors will be uh, available in early august a, uh, a young young, brilliant, blind woman named Megan Aragon on our staff is leading this program, and she says to give out her email address. So it's uh, M-Aragon, so M-A-R-A-G-O-N at AFB.org if you have any questions about Blind Leaders Development. So please connect um, with me and or AFB um, through, through Facebook, through LinkedIn, through the website. Looking forward to many more years of collaboration with ACB, and uh, now I'll let, let Craig, Craig tell you about uh, APH.
33: Thank you, Kirk. I'm gonna readjust this mic a little bit. I, I know we were told don't touch the mic, so I'm trying to do this without <laughs> touching the mic. Mission accomplished. Not the buttons. You can touch the mic. Don't touch the buttons. I wouldn't know where either one was. So, um, But I uh, just want to say thank you. Thank you for allowing us, to Kirk and I, to come and talk a few moments about uh, our organizations. Um, we, I think Kirk, came to AFB and I came to APH at some real exciting times. As, as most of you are aware, the, the entire field, our field has undergone some major, major changes, not just here in America, but uh, worldwide, we've seen a lot of leadership change uh, at RNIB, at CNIB, at, uh, and this is just something that keeps to repeat, and that's, the good news about that is changes life, and so when people start to get a little concerned about, man, there's so many changes happening, that's a sign of health, that's a sign of growth. And that's a sign of uh, we have thinking organizations because we all know that in life that you either you change or you stagnate. And so the fact that all these blindness agencies worldwide have said, we've got to do some changing, and and they've taken these opportunities to change. And APH has been no different. We have this incredible legacy, uh, fantastic, 161 years of providing products and services to the community. But what we realize too, is that the world has changed. The way people learn has changed. The needs of people out in the field have changed. And so... What we did is we looked both internally and we looked outside and we realized that if we were going to be, continue to remain relevant to not only this field but we had a bigger responsibility and that was is to inform and to connect with people outside of the field of vision. You know, I can talk to you about APH products, and it is—it's—you know, we're all singing from the same uh, hymn book. It's just which page, which verse. But there are so many agencies out there that don't understand blindness, uh, have never been uh, touched by visual impairment or blindness. And, and what I have found in my 36 years in this field is until you encounter blindness or are invited into the inner circle to have a conversation, you probably haven't given it much thought. So we thought the best way to approach this at APH is to find partners, find new partners, find partners who basically are just getting new into the field of accessibility. And I know you have been doing this a long time at ACB, but, um, and you've known this for a long time, but I think the rest of the world just kind of woke up 10 years ago and said accessibility is sexy and it's kind of cool. And it's amazing every year how many Fortune 500 companies are announcing. We now have an accessibility department. We have an accessibility team. We are looking for uh, people with uh, disabilities to come be part of our accessibility team, and, and, and I'm Clapping loudly and saying, that's great, and then at the same time, I'm giving them the side hand saying, what took you so long, Um, but we're glad you're here. And so let's talk and be part of that communication. So we're reaching out to a lot of those companies, and a lot of those companies, as they have jumped into this field, have recognized that they need some partners in the field of education. So probably the biggest announcement, in addition to uh, the projects we have recently partnered with AFB on and that was the the, uh, transfer of the websites over to APH and the transfer of the press, uh, which have been uh, just wonderful helps to us in fulfilling our mission at APH. Um, some of the other partnerships we have found this year, the, the big one we announced was our, our partnership with Microsoft. And I know ACB has a partnership with Microsoft as well as AFB and a number of other organizations, but ours is more product based. And, and uh, Microsoft developed uh, a team of their engineers developed an incredible coding project we call, that was at the time had a code name uh, Torino, and was renamed Code Jumper. And what Code Jumper is, is a coding tactile coding product, teaching kids from the earliest ages, ages five, geared for ages five to seven, but we've seen kids younger than five have, have success with it, uh, teaching students how to code, teaching students the beginning of what it means to be coding, because if, if you talk to all these organizations like Microsoft and Apple and Google and Amazon, they, they'll tell you they're looking for coders who happen to be blind, and they're having a hard time filling uh, their needs. Um, and so we believe that this is a great educational piece. If we can start teaching students at an early age how to code, we are not only giving them a great educational product, we are giving them a pathway for future employment. So that's been a, a wonderful thing. And then probably the most recent um, uh, partnership that, that uh, And it's, I think we can talk about it now. Um, But it's uh, probably many of you saw all the buzz that happened earlier this year with Lego when Lego announced that they are bringing out their Braille bricks, which was very exciting. And thanks to our partners at RNIB, um, we were invited to basically help lead the testing of those braille bricks in North America. So this upcoming this fall and into the winter months, we will be rolling out uh, those kits and getting those kits out for field testing to gather feedback we've received some of the early results on that and overall you know it has been very favorable i've heard from some of the the strong braille gurus in the field who are saying this is not the proper way to to teach literacy and fluency and i i hear you i've seen the research and i agree with you but what it is is an incredible tool to bring inclusion into the classroom. It's an incredible tool to get people who, when I mentioned earlier, we need to find people who don't know about blindness and get them excited about blindness. This is a great invite tool to teachers, to volunteers in the classroom, to other students to say, come learn about braille it's it's not a scary thing it's actually an exciting thing and so not only does it benefit the students it benefits everyone in that class and you know it's an inclusive apparatus it's an inclusive educational aid that just levels the playing field in the class. So we are happy, excited to be partnering with Legal on that, and getting that field testing done, and then what we hope that will lead to is getting that out to all students throughout the United States as quickly as possible in the year to come. So those are some of the partnerships that are going on right now, and um, just in closing, just to, to note that uh, I really believe, uh, as Kirk kind of stated as well, is partnerships are going to be critical, not only for our organizations but for every organization. The world is moving way too fast. None of us as a singular organization can keep up with that pace. But if we're if we're smart, if we're intentional and we get systematic about this, we can we get this is kind of uh, goes back to Lee's message about vision serve alliance. We can come together as organizations and say who's tackling what. We can remove a lot of the redundancies. We can partner together where partnering needs to happen and, and provide expertise and support. And that way we can, we can tackle this in a more systematic approach and have greater success and hopefully uh, continue our missions a little more effectively. Thank you all for the time. I appreciate it. Thank you all, ACB, Eric and Kim. Thank you very much. We're fast.
30: Okay, we have a travel steamer for everybody who needs to iron their banquet wear so they're nice and fresh and uh, wrinkle-free Oh, it steams them. I'm sorry. Yes, that's the whole point of the steamer Uh, Let me draw a name here and Phyllis who will be getting the travel steamer Carla Rocheval. Oh, Carla! <laughs> Kentucky? Uh, she might be in the mini mall. Does she still get the travel steamer? Name. Oh, wait, Macintosh the Bear. And she, uh, let me pick your name. I, I don't know who Macintosh the Bear is, but I'm sure he's soft and cuddly.
31: He's a Baring- oh. Sorry, Barrington collection. He has a, a Macintosh apple on his sweater, and he's carrying an apple. He's a very cute collectible. And it goes to Alan Lemley of Brandon, Mississippi.
0: Don't think he's in
31: How about Donna Seliger, West Des Moines, Iowa?
30: She's Is Donna here? Is she here?
13: She's here.
31: All right. Yay. I'll bring you. OK.
13: OK. We do one more one now.
30: More. One more, and then we'll move on to
31: our next <laughs> How about a power bank pencil case?
30: Ooh. Ooh. That's useful. Nice. Pencil case. Pencil case. Okay.
31: Valencia Samoa. Oh the our scholarship Connecticut
30: winners.: scholarship.
31: scholarship
13: winner. Scholarship winner.
31: That's perfect. Valencia but is Samoa.: she here. Is, is Valencia here?:
13: cool Rita enough.
31: Reese Whiting, Whiting. Fayetteville, Arizona. Arkansas.: Arkansas, or Arkansas sorry) <laughs> I think here. I, yes. I, I hear some cheers. I'm hearing
13: something way off to my right, so that's good. That's good. Right. Okay, thank you very much. You. Moving on. We're now going to have a presentation about, and this is a very important topic uh, Accessible Cities Initiative Research Project. And to do that, we have Denise Snow Wilson, the Technical Communication Specialist with Technology Project Research, Product Research, excuse me, and Elizabeth Schiller From Meta Data, Meta, Meta Data, Metadata, that's it, Metadata. I can't even say that, librarian boy, you know, rock and roll uh, from the American Printing House. So please come up and tell us what the research revealed and whether it's going to get better for blind people. (laughs)
20: Hello.
13: Good afternoon.
34: So, right before um, I was asked to come on, on stage, I was told we were running behind, so I quickly slashed my. You can unslash but I'm, um, you know, quicker to lunch, I guess. <laughs> so, um, I am a technical communication specialist at APH, but today I'm here representing the uh, APH Accessible Cities Committee. And what is that exactly? So well, behind the idea, um, the idea behind accessible cities began just over two years ago in spring of 2017 um, when APH President Craig Metter, um had a vision of making Louisville the most accessible city in the United States. Uh, we pitched the idea to Louisville Mayor Greg Fisher and were met with immediate and enthusiastic support from his office. So we began discussing the possibilities. But we realized right away that we lacked the information necessary to, excuse me, to define accurately what made a city accessible or what the barriers to accessibility were in a community. The data just wasn't out there. So we decided to go to the source, to you all and gather as much research as possible about accessibility issues in our communities and use that information to establish a plan for making Louisville the most accessible city. So the research project officially began in June 2017 when we came to ACB conference, where hopefully some of you may remember that we conducted short three to four question in-person interviews and also asked that you complete a longer, more detailed online survey. Uh, then we went to uh, NFB and AER o conferences in July. And we also gathered localized information from the Kentucky chapter conferences of ACB and NFB that fall. So we decided um, in terms of the interview structure, we decided on six categories to represent varieties of locations and experiences that might pose accessibility challenges. The categories informed how we crafted the questions, organized the responses, and identified focus areas for accessibility improvements. And those categories were transportation and travel, entertainment, public buildings, parks and recreation, workplace and daily living, and shopping. For the in-person interviews, the first question was a scenario based with six interchangeable locations representing the six categories, a bus or train station, a baseball game, a courthouse, a hospital, a park, and a grocery store. For the second and third questions, we asked which of the six categories you felt was the highest priority for accessibility improvements in your city and to provide one specific improvement your city could make in that area. And for the last question, we chose between two prompts. What are the greatest barriers to accessibility in your city? Or what makes a city fully accessible? The online survey was informed by the same six categories as the interviews. And it was designed to be taken by people with visual impairments, as well as family members and other stakeholders. As you might imagine, we were able to gather information from a very broad audience which included urban and rural populations. In total, we conducted 449 in-person interviews, 168 of which were at the ACB convention. Yeah. And we had 522 participants for the online survey which included all 50 states and some international responses. We received an average of 11 responses per state. And we believe that this is the largest study of its kind completed to date, which in itself is exciting. So to figure out what all the data meant, we partnered with AFB to analyze the data and compile the results into a report. The uh, PDF and a BRF versions of the report can be found at APH.org symposium. However, I also have some brailled bookmarks with the URL link and a QR code to the study. And I will have these at the APH booth as well. One of the first things we set out to do in the report was to to define what it means for a community to be accessible. We settled on a definition which states that accessible communities are communities in which people living with blindness, low vision, or other disabilities are able to enjoy the spaces and have the opportunities to pursue activities that make their lives meaningful and enjoyable. Most of the feedback we gathered deals with accessibility issues for people with visual impairments. However, quite a few of our respondents also took other types of mobility considerations into account. The lack of uniform curb cuts, ramps, and broken sidewalks was frequently noted on both our online survey and during interviews. We did not collect demographic data other than location, So we don't know the percentage of our respondents with multiple disabilities. What we do know is that the results are focused primarily on the ways in which we can work to create and improve spaces and opportunities that will make the lives of people with visual impairments more meaningful and enjoyable. And now for just a couple more numbers, I promise. I'll keep that part brief. (laughs) So focusing on the second interview question where we asked you to choose from six categories what the highest priority for improvements and accessibility was in your community. 64% of interviewees, 253 people, chose transportation and travel as their highest priority for accessibility. Shopping was the second most popular category with 15% or 58 respondents. And workplace and daily living came in third with 7%. So it was clear from the data that transportation, whether pedestrian or by motorized vehicle, affected almost every aspect of daily living. Without accessible sidewalks and public transportation, you cannot get to the store, the doctor, the office, the park, the theater or anywhere else with ease and independence. Therefore, having access to transportation is critical to having a satisfying and enjoyable life. Some of your suggestions in this area included expanding routes and frequency of buses and paratransit, making bus stops uniform, Increasing availability of subsidized public transportation options, such as Lyft and Uber, cabs. Improving delivery of transit information and scheduling. Requiring more driver training. Increasing and or providing audio announcements. Placing stops closer to shops and public buildings fixing broken sidewalks and adding more sidewalks, and improving wayfinding and braille and tactile signage, both indoor and outdoor. The online survey produced similar results. I won't go into the numbers, but I do, as I mentioned, have the bookmarks with the link to the data if you're interested, and they'll be at the booth. The analysts at AFB were able to identify four major themes of community, excuse me, community accessibility from the qualitative data. Those were the open responses. Inclusive values, walkability, transportation, and access to information. Respondents stressed that certain values were essential to making a community most desirable, including equality of opportunity and cultural awareness, a commitment to accessibility that went beyond requirements of the Americans with Disabilities Act, and a willingness to collaborate with blind and visually impaired residents. Walkability was a prominent theme throughout, sidewalk improvements including audible pedestrian signals and curb cuts, as well as navigating parking lots, were some of the most commonly remarked upon issues in respondents' communities. And we've already touched on transportation. but Some of the comments we saw most frequently had to do with difficulties in scheduling or requesting rides, drivers not knowing how to assist, and inaccessible information systems, such as websites and apps. Combining several themes, many respondents suggested that indoor GPS and beacon systems connected to smartphone apps should be available in more spaces to improve independent navigation. Only 8% of our survey takers rated their cities highly accessible, so there's clearly a lot of work to be done. The complaints and suggestions we captured in our survey and interviews have helped inform APH's approach to accessible communities. So what has Accessible Cities Committee been doing since 2017? Well after we gathered and analyzed the data, we established a three-prong approach for making Louisville the most accessible city with the idea that these projects could be replicated in cities across the US and the world. Also, that the partnerships formed serve as a model for municipal and state governments across the country. This three-prong approach is indoor navigation, transportation, and media on demand. Currently, we offer indoor navigation feature for our uh, nearby Explorer app. It uses Bluetooth beacon technology and indoor mapping processes. As of May this year, we have mapped 55 locations, 38 in Louisville, 15 around the country, two international sites, including, not international, but locally, this conference. So you can download the Nearby Explorer online app. It's free, and try it out while you're here. In March, APH hosted the first annual indoor navigation symposium, where we brought together thought leaders across the world to discuss the present and future of indoor navigation technologies, standards, accessible cities, and business models. During the symposium, we announced the start of a new for-profit extension of APH called Access Explorer. Which will carry on the development of the Nearby Explorer app. In support of their continued work, we put together a short survey for users of the indoor feature of Nearby Explorer. And I also happen to have um, cards, braille cards with me, with a QR code. Uh, Those will also be at the booth. So, excuse me, if you're interested in trying out the app and taking the survey, we'd appreciate the feedback. Additionally, APH has partnered with Portland State University on a grant-funded project entitled Seamless Wayfinding by Individuals with Functional Disability in Indoor and Outdoor Spaces. This is an 18-month research project that endeavors to assess indoor and outdoor wayfinding technologies in order to better understand user needs and develop a replicable wayfinding model for campus environments. In regards to the second prong, transportation, our first step was to establish a partnership with the local transit system, TARC. We now have two APH staff members on the TARC Advisory Board, and our Director of Accessibility has been testing and providing feedback on their new website and app. Our plan proposal from APH also includes driver accessibility and inclusion training, and an updated paratransit recertification process. Lastly, the third prong, Media on Demand, Part of our proposal to TARC includes helping them create accessible media such as braille, large print, and giving advice on making digital media more accessible. We also have two APH staff members participating in the Louisville Cultural Accessibility Association. They started started a pilot project with Locust Grove, a historical site in Louisville, where they had visually impaired individuals take the tour and provide feedback helped them with digital accessibility by reviewing their website and documents, and provided an accessibility and inclusion training for all of their staff and volunteers. Our hope is to replicate this model at other sites around Louisville. So in conclusion, APH and the Accessible Cities Committee would like to express our gratitude to all of you for playing such a significant role in informing our approach to making Louisville a more accessible city. We could not have done it, at least not properly, without your willingness to share your thoughts and suggestions. And for that, we thank you. If anyone has any
26: questions, I think we have a few minutes. Hopefully, I can answer them. This, this is Christy Crespin. I'm really interested in the city accessibility and walkability. Um, one of the things that I'm wondering about is affordability because many of us are not able to get into cities like Berkeley, California, which was considered a pretty accessible city. And
34: your question was about affordability? About affordability yes. In the study. Oh, okay. The um, we don't cover affordability, I think, in the study.
5: Yeah.
34: Um, that is always, of course, a concern. And as we build partnerships with um, TARC and other municipal uh, departments, that is a concern of ours as well. And it's always part of the discussion. But I don't think it came up in
23: the study. OK, hi. I'm Jason from Kentucky. Hi. I'm wondering, at the American Printing House or in, in Kentucky, do they have any people that, that could work with people about on these apps and mobility and, not, and using it outside?
34: That is absolutely um, one of our objectives is to get with other agencies and interested individuals in helping form something of a coalition to work with TARC and other people. And so if you're interested, please, um, I will come and find you after this. Okay. yes. Did that answer your question? Yes, sure did. Thanks. There's one more hand, okay.
14: The find, uh, My name is Alice from New York City. The wayfinding technology, will that be able to be used, for example, on a subway or a bus? Would it be able to tell us stops or things like that?
34: Yes, absolutely. And mm-hmm. is it only on the smartphone? Right now it's an app. Yes, on a phone. Well, I think you can use it also on like an iPad mm. or maybe a smart tablet. But it is meant to be um, portable technology, portable information.
5: Okay. All,
34: right. all right. Thanks again. It was a pleasure working with you all.
13: Hey, before getting to door prizes, before wrapping up here, I want to recognize Janet Tickleman for some convention announcements. I believe she's in the hall. Mike Seven. Mike seven. Mike seven.
2: Morning, everybody. A couple of announcements. Today's go. specialty at the cafe is penny pasta with meatballs and marinara sauce. So that sounds yummy. Uh, lost and Found. On the bus, we found a treat pouch doggy treats, not people treats, and a pair of sunglasses. In the ACB Cafe, two canes were found, a set of what looks like house keys. Um, Ellen Mulder stopped by the information desk because your item is there. Also, there was a black cardigan and a pair of lightning adapter headphones. I was asked by Marjorie to announce that if you have a flight that is going back to your home destination that departs before 7 a.m. any day, you need to let Marjorie know that. Um, Her telephone number is 512-921-1625. You can always check with me at the volunteer sign-in desk or at the information desk to get her number. Um, The scholarship reception today has moved to Douglas in the Riverside Hotel. The UNAR Labs has moved from Cascade D to Cascade A. And on Tuesday, it was not in the program. There will be information in the newspaper tomorrow. But Apple is holding their session at 1.15 p.m. And that is in the Convention Center Lilac Ballroom South banquet tables. Make sure you stop by the information desk and give your information to Vicki. Eight people to a table, names, name of the table, and a contact person's phone number so she can let you know your table number. And Mr. McCann, thank you.
26: This is Josette Kernahan here and I'm a member of WCB. I've started a table for the banquet um, which are tables number 10 and 11. There are three pieces, pardon me, places taken up for number 10 so far. Um, I'm in room 414 in the Hyatt, if anyone wants to call me there, um, who wants to be at either of those
24: tables.
19: This is Dr. Kimberly Avila, Professor in Charge of the Teacher Preparation Program in Blindness and Vision Impairment at George Mason University. We are still enrolling for our Fall 2019 VI program. You can earn a master's or a certificate teaching students who are blind or visually impaired. It is all synchronous online, and then as of August 2019, we will be one of a few universities in blindness and vision impairment that now offers a bachelor degree. So please, we need to definitely fulfill this critical shortage of teachers of students who are blind and visually impaired in Virginia and across the US. So please email me if you or your child or grandchild or anyone you know wants to uh, get that degree. K-A-V-I-L-A at gmu.edu. Thank you. Excellent. So we
30: have a travel bag from beautiful Ronkonkoma, New York, right near me. Kathy Casey, who is going to win this thing? Gidget, from Gidget Hoff from Rochester, are you here? That's a great name. Jezebella Santiago. <laughs> Jezebella? From Melbourne, New York. Hey, hey, it's Actually, actually, isn't that Bella? That's Bella. Oh, it is.
13: Is that yeah. person here? That person's so she's here.
30: She in, in the, the Explorers Club. Club, Club, so should we give it
13: to her? Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, if I can conclude on a brief note of personal privilege. As is well known at this point, I have elected not to stand for elected office in ACB for this year. Um, uh, When I first ran for the board in 2012, uh, there were many challenges, things that needed to be done for ACB. I am very, very gratified that many of the things that my candidacy stood for and many of the things that I felt needed to be done have been accomplished. We've got our finances in better shape. We've hired two new staff people. The convention has gotten bigger and better. But I find that at this time, matters in Arizona require a level of attention that would be inconsistent with the service that you should reasonably expect of anyone serving on the board, much less serving as an officer. So it is with a great sense of conflict that I that this will be my last time for the foreseeable future, but I love you all. Take good care. We stand in recess.